And here we go. It's Norman G. with the Yay. And I'm Reg Clay. And we are excited to bring you a guest <laughs> who we've been going after for weeks, if not months. Valerie Week is Hi. in the house today. Hello. Hey, Valerie. Hi. <laughs> Yay. And that's the okay, we tried to switch it up, but I guess uh, I thought you'd, well. I'll I'll, and I told you I'd be exhausted today. That's, exhausted. that's true. I'm bad, bad me, bad me. I wanted to switch it up. Well, anyway, this is the yay where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. I do have that memorized. <laughs> I love that. Oh, I well. love that phrase. Oh, yeah. So, Valerie Week, you're an actress, and yes. also you uh, head up, I think, I don't know if it's a company or just you, the Counting Actors Project. Yes, that is actually, it's, well, um, when it started, it was just me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's now, um, it's still kind of just me, yeah. uh, but it has some support from a project called Works by Women San Francisco, yeah. which is uh, Christine Young. Mm-hmm. Uh, who oh, yeah. I didn't realize Christine It's Christine. So Christine, it's, oh. it is part of her, uh, she is on the faculty of the Theater and Social Justice Program at USF, uh, uh, yeah. and so it's part of her, like, um, I'm going to say academic publishing. Wow. But cool. she published, she has a website that's called Works by Women San Francisco, which the mission of that website is to um, spotlight female theater, female and female identified theater makers of the region. And then, so once a month, my Counting Actors project uh, blog post mm-hmm. uh, shows up. I put it on. Right. Uh, we, we put it on that website. So Fantastic. And we'll talk more up. about that. That's fantastic. Yeah. Norman, as I begin each week, how was your week? I know it's I'm tiring. one day. I'm one day away from being done. I've been doing this theater intensive. <clears throat> it's been ten days, and it's so funny because they we're at the Eugene O'Neill, Eugene O'Neill Dow House mm-hmm. in Danville. Yes, and it's part of the National Park Service, mm-hmm. so they have Mondays off. That's the farm, right? The uh, the barn, the farm. The well, barn. the barn yeah. is where we do our performances. Got it. His old barn. Yeah. There's another building that they call the new barn, and mm-hmm. the kids are always confused when you say the new barn because that building is older than all of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, by much, yeah. it is older than all of them. So they're like, what are you talking about? There's <coughs> nothing new. You know, the fences might be new up there. It's, there's nothing new. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, we've been doing this all day, every day for 10 days. Tomorrow's the 10th day. Mm-hmm. And Ooh. I had the one Monday off and made the mistake of making plans. I now know if I do this again next year, that Monday is going to be gardening and putting my feet into something cool and having yep. something cool in my hand. That's mm-hmm. good. But it's been great. And this year, for the first time, they took they do a performance at the end. That we took the performance to the Danville Arts Festival. Nice. Kind of. It was a, It's a street thing, mm-hmm. which means we are literally in the street. And uh, they put up a little canopy. But out there, it's triple digits right now. Mm-hmm. So... You like there weren't. They said there's normally five thousand people, sometimes even more, who come out to this festival. There were maybe hundreds if you tried hard to count for a while, looking oh. around. It's just too hot, <coughs> so people didn't come out. And mm-hmm. yeah, we didn't. And also, you're going to do a performance, but you've in no way advertised it. You don't have an audience base. Mm. You're just gonna. I, it always reminds me of Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, the scene where the player catches back up to them and says, "We kept performing and." We thought you were just hiding, so we kept going. And it wasn't until somebody's <laughs> long monologue that the rest of us started peeking around, thinking maybe you were behind a rock or a bush or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> well, fortunately, we had a few mm. friends and family who came out to see these kids mm. and enough shade so they could actually sit for the whole thing and watch it, even though we kept having to move. The yeah. shade kept getting smaller and smaller. Yeah. Now, was this today? 
This was just, I'm coming from that right now. <laughs> wow, because I, you know, it is really, really hot outside. Yeah. So it's, and, it's yeah, way hotter there. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, the board, much of them got there after we, I came into, I, you've done this. Mm-hmm. You go on tour, you go to all these sites, you get to something that's a postage stamp, the yep. stage, or it's not a platform, or it is a platform, and your show won't fit on it. And or there's stairs in the middle of it, and you have yeah. to redo yeah. your sword fight on the fly. Oh, so you really don't, you don't even know what you're working with until you get there. The I day had of the not a clue. I did talk to the woman who was hosting us in front of her little antique shop, and uh, she said she was going to put up a, a, a canopy mm-hmm. and that she could hang a sheet from it. Well, you know the way Bay Area weather works. If it gets hot, mm-hmm. it's hot for a little while, and then that breeze starts coming. And sure enough, the breeze was coming, and I was like, that thing will become a sail. Oh, no, I think it'll be fine. So they tied it down, and then one side got loose and just started flapping over half of the performance space. Oh, I'm like, goodness. okay, uh. I can't put a scene up there with that thing flapping. Mm-hmm. So, But I know all this stuff. I've done yeah. all of it. I have done scenes holding a flat up. Me too. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. sure you have. So I know all these things. So <laughs> no. none of this is a surprise to me. And I assess it out immediately, reconfigure, um, say we're going to do this. Somebody suggests something that actually makes sense. We do that. There's shade across the street. I'm like, that's where we're going to have the audience. Oh, but they could be here in the middle of the street in a hundred and something degree heat. No, they're going to be over there. Yeah. We're going to play to that area. That's where they'll be. And that's what we did. And it worked. So by the time all these board members got there, mm-hmm. that was all done. And so they're like, oh, this went really well. And I'm like, yeah, we didn't get any heat stroke. I don't know how. Oh, and they kept passing around cups of ice. I'm like, this is, <laughs> this is not in good cups of ice, A huh? real stage mm-hmm. manager in a legitimate show would have been calling this show. <laughs> yeah. We're not, we're not doing this. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's so that was today. Tomorrow we do it in the barn. Mm-hmm. Their friends and family will come. We will pack the barn. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's young writers and young actors. Oh, that's so cool. So oh, fantastic. Be, and the shows are wonderful. Let's see. We've got uh, – we start with um, man and woman. Man, knowing that God told him that there was an other thing that was going to be there. It wasn't the other things that move around. He likes moving rocks. Because it lets him feel like he's a man. He doesn't mm-hmm. say that, but that's really it. And he likes doing that. And then we meet woman. Mm-hmm. And woman likes drawing on rocks. Mm-hmm. And she roams around from, you know, and she does her thing. And they finally meet. And there's this whole little scene. The m- best thing about it was he came up with the concept, he said, because they didn't have language. Mm-hmm. So he says at one point, um, she said something. And he said, oh, it's like when, oh, she made a joke. Basically, they like invented the joke. <laughs> Okay. It was a wonderful little moment. He said, no, 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 I get it. That's that's like when you see one of the crawly moving things and it's upside down and you know it's not supposed to be upside down. And so you know it's – I don't know the word for it, but it's like that. You're doing that with words. There are upside down words. Ah. So a joke is an upside down word. Interesting. Interesting. And I was like, this is brilliant. I love this kid. So we had that. Um, we had a bunch of doom and gloom. We had two amnesia plays. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but we had two amnesia plays. Um, I directed. <coughs> I directed a a play called Red Card, which is basically like the lottery or something, um, and it was inspired by a young writer who had come back to the program, inspired by all the shootings. Mm. So mm. it was a classroom mm. where they had to draw. Attendance was drawing cards out of a box, and if you got the red card. 
you were gone. Mm, interesting. <laughs> and it interspersed with scenes at home trying mm-hmm. to talk to her mother about what's going on and not being able to. Yeah, it yeah. Cute. It was a very cute piece. And then there was – oh, and then there was uh, one about two sisters – where mom has died and they're going through the family boxes and stuff and they find a letter and it says that the younger sister was adopted. Oh, and the older sister kind of goes, oh, that's what mom meant, which turns into a huge argument and she storms out. And then the other sister sitting there not knowing what to do finds another envelope, which says, hey, honey, if you found this, I'm gone. And you guys probably already found the other thing that I set up for you. It's not true. She's not adopted. I just wanted her to know how you feel when you open the next envelope. And she opens it, certificate of adoption, and it's her. The older sister is actually the one who's adopted. Hmm. Wow. Twisted, tw- wonderful twisted, you know. Yeah. They, they almost Hitchcockian, yeah. yeah. We also had one boy who's <clears> a little <throat> spectrum and um, wrote a brilliant, brilliant piece about a small town in Montana where an old lady dies, Alice Harder, a harder and the sheriff is really quick on her feet and says wait a minute if you take the letters letters of a harder and you rearrange them it spells Earhart oh okay like Amelia Earhart so they start believing and then there's some letter that says something oh it says GP signed GP and somebody else knows oh wait those are the initials of Amelia Earhart's husband Mm -hmm. so we she was Amelia Earhart and so you jump forward in time, they become a big tourist destination, and then the sheriff comes back and says, yeah, this was bothering me. So I actually sent some of that stuff off and got some analysis done, and it turns out, no, she's not Amelia Earhart. <laughs> okay. He wrote it. It's full yeah. of jokes. Nice. It's, it was witty, oh, cool. twisty, cool, and mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm so glad you're in my program. I'm <laughs> and these are teenagers. That's fantastic. Yeah, it, was, it was wonderful. Fantastic. And really, it's really done cool tomorrow, stuff. which is even more wonderful. <laughs> and I get a paycheck in my hand. Yeah, what? there you go. And then it'll be off to the next thing. I don't Whatever the next well, thing. the next thing is four men, I think. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, with you, th- you've always got other things going on, but yeah. Unless somebody calls me, which they do, but yeah. right now I'm th- looking at a summer that is. I'm like, okay, I'm going to take this paycheck, and <laughs> I can stretch this paycheck three months if I need to. There you go. But there you, know, you go. I'll look for other things to find something else. <laughs> awesome. Well, this this week has just <sighs> the news. I mean, yeah, we always spend a little time talking about current mm-hmm. events. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, yeah. they're returning the kids. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't doing an awful lot of laughing uh, during the week because it's just so. I mean, I, I talk with a. I'm a paralegal for uh, the DA's office in San Francisco. And I talked to one other paralegal. And I was like, I don't know how you feel, but I just can't watch the news anymore. And then, even if you don't watch the news, there are these pop up notifications that pop right. up on your phone yeah. right. screaming to you. And she was like, listen, I've been in bed just crying, you know, because yeah, the kids, the kids, the kids. Yeah. And uh, I even did, you know, an earlier podcast talking about it. Just if it isn't, you know, like even the screaming match that happened earlier this week between Sarah Huckabee Sanders and the reporter, the CNN reporter. Did that you was, see that one? It wasn't just one reporter where they kept getting up and coming at her. Yeah. Well, what about this? Well, what about the kids? What about? Who? Right. Right. Exactly. And then you have Trump reversing his stance, which really doesn't solve the problem because and it's a temporary, right? Exactly. You you probably heard about the the Flores um, settlement. The Flores settlement is basically a basically the United States got sued for imprisoning kids with their parents. This is back in 1985, yeah. 
and they went through a settlement, and they finally agreed to a settlement in 1997, oh, okay, which yes. is the Flo- the what they call the Flores settlement. Right. It was, I think it was Flores versus Reno, mm-hmm. right, against yes. Janet yes, Reno, yeah. and um, they f- they were in violation. The United States was in violation of that agreement right. in 2015. Right, it was reaffirmed by the Ninth. Circuit Circuit, Court of Appeals. I know this is very wonky. I'm uh, no, no, no. But yeah, and um, so Obama said, "Well, listen, we can't because basically what happens is they come across the border, right? They're picked up by ICE, right? And just like a normal court proceeding, it's like, okay, listen, you're going to be detained, you're going to be booked, right? uh, You got to be arraigned, and there'll be a court date if you're vying for asylum, right? Now, if you can't pay your bail, right? Just like here in America, Mm. you're going to stay in jail, right? If they have kids, then the kids are with them. Right. So Obama was like, listen, put an ankle bracelet on you and come back to court a little bit later on. And that was their solution to getting the kids out of jail or whatever. Of course, the Trump and the right wingers were like, no, you can't do that. You know, they'll never come back to court and they'll just terrorize the land. I mean, honestly, they didn't come back. Well, Huge I, numbers I, of them did not come back. Okay. Right? Well, I saw some statistics that said that some do or whatever. But well, some do. I, I yeah. But in any case, the Trump administration says, hell with that. Zero tolerance. Right. Put them all in, which kicked off this potential violation of right. the Flores settlement. Right. Their end around, around that, well, we'll take the kids out of the jail, air quotes. Right. And we'll put them into, I forget what the term was. Uh, the these detention centers. Detention ce- care centers or some cute yeah, name. Uh, tender, uh, if they're under age That's 12, it. it's called tender care. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, if, you, if you can raise your mic a little bit. Oh, sorry. Yeah, my mic okay. is my mouth because <laughs> no, I was no, drinking you, water. But thank you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Tender yeah. cares, which if is a bunch of just BS. I mean, and... The the folks, I don't even know, I forgot the subcontractor that's doing this, oh, right. but they were told, don't touch the kids, because the rule for them was, if the kid's 17 or 18, they can be, um, we don't want to get sued for sexual harassment. Right. So, don't just don't touch them. Mm-hmm. Now, that was the ruling that they got before kids young as five right. and toddlers started coming in. Yeah. And, of course, they didn't know what to do. Right. You know what I mean? And it caused this problem. It's been a horrible mess. Yeah, it's been a horrible mess. And, you know, just, I mean, just crying. I mean, you've got the Time Magazine article and all that stuff. I mean, what do you think? Well, and more fake news. I hate hate that. But what I have to acknowledge is when it's true. The time, the cover, the the photo is is not somebody who was separated. Exactly. Oh, come on. You guys don't edit things? Yeah, 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 yeah. You you don't? What? What? Can I, can I give you the, the local angle that I Please, saw in yeah. the Chronicle this morning? So yes. within that Time article, which I haven't read, there's allusions to um, stuff related to, I'm, I'm not going to remember the names, um, Department of the Navy, I believe. There is, uh, out in Concord, there's a Naval Defense Center oh, right, yes. that uh, I think the they were in the process of turning into something similar yep. to what's going on oh, in Hunter's yeah, Point, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, no, similar to Hunter's Point. They were oh. in the process of turning it into um, oh, condos, okay, development, yeah, commercial, yeah. whatever. They're in the yeah. process of, mm-hmm. of turning it over from the Navy to Concord, or mm-hmm. I think part of it's going to become East Bay Regional Parkland. Like, that's been the right. intention. Well, now it's it's slated potentially to become um, a care center or a, no, a place to a holding center yeah. for folks who are not separated from their parents. Right. Right. Oh. These people who continue who are continuing to come in now I, that we're I, not I, separated. I hadn't heard the details. This I was, just knew this that was it was in California. Some of this was in the yeah. Chronicle this morning. Mm-hmm. So and yeah. like the folks in Concord are going, wait, what? 
Yeah. Because this other thing was supposed to go this other way, but now, and, and it's like, it's, it's land that belongs to the military. Right. So yeah. Concord can't really say anything about yeah. it. Right. So that's a it's, local. It's, you know, it, you, have, you have something where they set out a policy and they don't tell everybody right. how to, you know, Implement. clearly there's no meeting yeah. of the minds. And now yeah. he's got the armed services, the army, the Navy saying, hey, find spaces for these folks. Because obviously they're bringing in way more people than they anticipated, and they could still be. In, we can still be in violation of the Flores yeah. settlement We've and open ourselves up to lawsuits because two kids states are st- have pulled their national guard, and they're making fuss about California doing it too. And I'm like, mm-hmm. please. And you've got airline industries like United and American oh. Airlines. I don't know if you heard about that. That says, listen, if you're using us to transport kids and families of undocumented immigrants, we're not doing it. Mm-hmm. Just don't even don't even don't look even our way. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, Greyhound will not and will still continue to do it. But it's, it's amazing. Money yeah. <coughs> everybody across yeah. the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's amazing how one little thing shoots out. It's, almost, it's like breaking glass mm-hmm. and glass shards are just everywhere. It's affecting everything. Which makes talk- him happy. It makes him very happy. Yeah, he, just, he, he just wants a mess that's in the news. That's yeah. all he seems to care about. He's a conduit for chaos. Yeah. Just, just amazing. Nicely put. And Melania Trump. You know, I, I felt at what first. What is up with the jacket? Yeah. What the hell was oh, that? Oh God! I it's had just, to look it up. Yeah. And I'm looking at these pictures and going, and so many justifications. I'm like, I'm sorry. She's supposedly upset about the kids, and she's supposedly going to show that she cares. Don't wear a jacket that says I don't care. Right. <laughs> well, I guess she thought that it was supposed to it, that the the meaning is for the press. Well, that's what he said. Yeah. What does she yeah, say? Well, she's not saying anything, you know. And what infuriated me more was that there's a uh, video of her talking to the people, and she's asking, so how long are the kids there? Oh, 45 days. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. How often do they speak to their parents? Twice a week. Over the phone, if they can verify that they're the parents. Right. Which means documentation. Right. What if they don't have documentation? Of course, she doesn't ask any of the follow-up questions. It's just, ugh. Okay, it's so. been a mess. It's, yeah. it's been a mess. But I, but I have to be. I can't help but be mm-hmm. happy about it. In the same way, yeah, yeah. When he did the Muslim ban, yeah, I was in the car with my wife, mm-hmm. and we were like, "Oh crap, we, what the hell?" And we heard that people were going to airports, and mm-hmm. we were like, "Are we heading to SFO? Is that what we should do right now?" And then the report was that lawyers from San Francisco had poured into the airport and were getting people released. Wow. And I was like. And so we said, okay, no, we're not going to go across the bridge. Let's screw it. But I was happy to see that across the country yep. that kind of thing has happened. Yep. I feel like this last week has been the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, hell. And everybody who's trying to apologize and defend, like, these are lame defenses, y'all. These are – Obama did. Obama did what I, – I don't care what – number one, I don't care what Obama did. I wasn't happy. I knew about it when it was happening. Mm-hmm. I knew about the immigration thing with Obama. I was never happy about that. I was mm-hmm. always somebody going, oh, this is wrong. This is, this is fucked up. And it's going to bite him in the ass. Mm-hmm. And so don't defend Obama if you aren't going to acknowledge that he did these things as a calculated risk mm-hmm. and he miscalculated. This is his fault in that sense. No, his people talked about doing this and said, Dad, no, we can't take the kids. That would be wrong. We, but they actually talked about it. They mm-hmm. discussed it. Right. And they knew that it would be possible under the policies that they were implementing. Mm-hmm. So, and then they left him. 
just walked away. And there's so much of Obama's administration that has been that. I hated it when he was on office. Every time he signed another executive order, I'd be mm-hmm. like, oh, God, dude, no. No, can you find somebody? Can you offer up a child to sacrifice so that a Republican will sign off on something mm-hmm. so that it'll be law? Because if you do it this way and it's not set up right, yeah, this jerk is just, you know, why are we losing EPA stuff? Because Obama just sort of passed it as policy. Mm-hmm. It wasn't passed as legislation. And Trump can just go, nope. Yeah, nope, I mean, nope. I don't want to be an Obama apologist, but, I, you know, the, you have a, a Congress that would not let him, I know. especially after the, the third year, pass anything at all. And he would not fight them until after those that first midterm. Mm-hmm. He wasn't even fighting. He kept coming going, well, I want I think we can talk about this. And if I offer you that, it's like, dude, who goes into an off, an, a negotiation offering? You go into a negotiation saying, I would like to hope we can come to an agreement. Mm-hmm. And I got something I'm not going to tell you about. Yeah. What have you got? Right. You put it on the table and they immediately say, oh, no, we don't like that. Oh, Romney created health care that actually works in Massachusetts. No. Oh, that comes out of a GOP think tank. No. It's got right, your exactly. name on it. No. Yeah, of course. Of course. You know. So I understand the frustration. Sure. But the shortcuts that he took keep biting us in mm-hmm. the ass. Yeah. Hmm. But, you know, there's no pl- the blowback is Trump. People yes. aren't making those connections, at least not on the surface, to Obama. Right, um, Valerie. What do you think about? I mean, do you, um, about everything about <laughs> Trump's election. What do I think about everything? <laughs> oh man, how's life in the Trump world? Uh, you know, for you. <laughs> um, <sighs> I think that's about all I can do yeah, right yeah. now. It's just. Does it shock you oh. at all? I mean, did you expect any of this <laughs> since November 2016? Um, did no. Um. I don't know. No, see, I, you know, I'm a, I'm pretty much, I'm I'm a California kid and like my, Mm. my immediate bubble is quite liberal. And Mm -hmm. so like, you know, my partner is, uh, is not in the same bubble as me, Mm. um, uh, you know, in terms of like he has family, uh, on the East coast in Massachusetts and in Pennsylvania. Okay. Um, And he also, he was, um, in, in, you know, he was in the Navy and he's still in these like Facebook groups that are connected sure. to, that oh, are connected to people that were like on his ship and stuff like that. Sure, so, sure. so he sees a lot more diverse political viewpoints than I do among like pretty much everybody I know is like, Oh my God, this is terrible. Let's write mm-hmm. letters and make sure those children get teddy bears and, and yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, you know, but let's, you know, right. where are we marching today? What's this week's March? You know, right, exactly. so that's like, that's most of what I'm consuming and where I'm at is, yeah. is, is, is within mm-hmm. people who are resisting. Yeah. So, um, and but he's getting at something completely different. But, my, but, but yeah. my part. So, so in terms of like, what did I, what did I expect? I, I didn't. I, I mean, yes, I was really shocked in, in yeah. November back in back I in November you. 2016. I was. Yeah. Just so was the guy in the White House. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's 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 very interesting, and it's what's interesting is our people's reactions. I mean, usually when we read the news, we can separate ourselves emotionally from it. It's really, really tough doing it these days. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone's well, having a visceral reaction. Like, yeah. I, I don't go around bashing Obama a lot when the subject comes up. And, and it always comes up as a, you didn't know. And it's like, mm, no, I know. I, I have a good friend who turned me on to Obama. Mm-hmm. Because I was going, you know, he's a junior senator. I don't like the way he talks. Uh, uh. And then, you know, my friend kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And then I took a look at the field. And then I heard, oh, no, actually, he started changing up his strategy. He started dropping those G's. 
Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. He stopped, mm-hmm. you know, he started he was getting a little bit blacker. You know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he wasn't running anymore. He was running. Yeah. Jumping. Mm. Yeah. And I was like, okay, dude, I know exactly what you're doing, and I think it's fake as hell, but I can vote for that. That's smart. Yeah. I can do that. I'll tell you, the first time I heard about Obama, uh, it was, uh, I remember when well, uh, Mike, uh, it, there was a Senate seat, mm-hmm. and Mike Ditka was running. Yes. Obama was running. But, of course, we didn't know anything about that because I'm not in Illinois. So I didn't, right. you know, it was out of my spectrum. And all of a sudden, I'm w- watching ESPN. And I'm like, hey, you know, the Republicans want Mike Ditka to run for um, senator. I'm like, well, why is that? Because they wanted to not have Barack Obama. I was like, right. okay, who's this Barack Obama guy? Mm. Right. And then, of course, he gives the speech in, uh, what was it, 2004? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for um, right. Kerry. Yeah. Uh, which is, that's what the next presidential candidate usually does that's yeah. sort of right. a stepping stone right and i was like okay so this is the guy and i wasn't i wasn't inspired by the speech it was right. you know it, this is not the you know red state or the blue state this is the united states and right. i'm like yeah. uh, okay that's fine right right, but right. Then i kept on sound bite mm-hmm. yeah you know how to write a sound yeah bite. but i was very impressed with you know just his candidacy the way they use the internet and especially the Jeremiah Wright situation, how he drilled he down on that. Well. He, handled he handled it incredibly it well. well. And I was like, wow, so this is not the typical black. I remember when it was, I'm also from the East Coast, uh, mm-hmm. so I remember when Jesse Jackson ran. Yeah, run, Jesse, run. <laughs> uh, I know. See, Jesse, run. I tell you, I, so I, I, I'm from Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. and it's the nation's capital, but it's also Chocolate, Chocolate City. Chocolate City, yeah. So mm-hmm. I had aunts and uncles or whatever saying, oh, yeah, Jesse Jackson, Jesse Jackson. I was like, mm, I don't know, you know. The rest of the country isn't, you know, we're down with Jesse Jackson. I don't know if anyone right. else is. And they were so disappointed. It was like having a, a, a candy hand put in front of their faces and then snatched away. Right. And I think, you know, I was already in my second year at NYU, so I was sort of more woke about mm-hmm. what was going on. And I didn't feel that way with Obama. I felt that Obama, it was like, wow, so this is not the typical black guy running. Right. This is a college professor. Yeah. And he's handling things in a very college professory way. Yeah. It may not be our way, but, hey, this isn't bad. Yeah. I mean, it's. Be- I would have voted for Wilson. I mean, if I were white, mm-hmm. I would have voted for Wilson a century ago. Sure, I totally would have. So, a oh, Wilson mean Woodrow Wilson? Yeah, he was in. I know, but I wouldn't have known <laughs> if I was a regular American. I wouldn't have known he was a college professor. I would have said, sure, yeah. give that college boy a shot. And that's totally how I felt with Obama. Yeah. give that college boy a shot. Yeah, but it just cracks me up that people come. People so often want to start a fight with. You don't know, blah, blah, blah. I was like, dude, no, I totally know. Yeah. What I know is that we had a black man in for eight years, Mm -hmm. and the media coverage of black people being shot and abused just increased. Yep. Horribly increased, and the president was unable to even acknowledge it, let alone do anything about it. Without He couldn't acknowledge it without criticism. Mm -hmm. He couldn't do anything about it. He Mm -hmm. couldn't even say he was going to do something Mm -hmm. about it. I'm like, okay, so where are we headed? He's done with his two terms. Where are we headed? Well, black people are going to keep being shot and fucked up things are going to happen and incarceration rates are going to keep going on. Mm -hmm. And what is Hillary going to do about that? Uh, She's going to do more of the same of what Obama's been doing. It was in her policies. It was in her platform. That Mm -hmm. was what she was going to do. And you're asking me to vote for that. Yes, I'm a little selfish right now. I'm a black man. 
And I'm scared of the fact that I can't even park in my own neighborhood without the new white neighbors walking by. And I worry that because I'm listening to NPR program and don't want to go in the house yet, the cops may roll up on me. And am I mm-hmm. pulling out my wallet or a gun and I'm dead yeah. watching, listen to fucking Terry Gross. Did you hear the, the latest uh, Becky news? Becky. Y- you know, the slang, uh, barbecue Becky. So no. there was a white woman. <laughs> oh, her. Yeah. You you are not a Becky Valerie. Oh, thank you for saying that. <laughs> no. Is this, the, is this the one from, it's like today or yesterday, the woman who was like, this eight-year-old girl is. Yes. Yeah. Call the cops because an eight-year-old black girl was selling water, bottled water for $2 in San Francisco. I don't know what neighborhood in San Francisco. I'm thinking in the Castro because of Pride Weekend. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like on Market Street, like near the Safeway. You know that's right. happening right now. Yeah, that, yeah, that's something that that's a kid out there with a lemonade, an yeah, enterprising right, kid exactly. with a lemonade stand right yeah. now. So she called the police? Yep. Now, the video is very short. It's not like the other Barbecue Becky where it went on for two hours and she's crying on the phone. Oh, my God, you know, why are people picking on me because I'm racist? Uh, this is just, you know, just a couple of seconds, but... I don't know if it's an epidemic or if this has always been around. So I totally hear you, you know, like being afraid of just, you know, someone calling cops on you or what have you. And what is Hillary going to do? You know, I'm uh, when it comes to politics, I'm like, listen, you know, what are my options and what's going to happen if I don't vote for so and so? There were three options. There was Donald. There was Bernie. And there was Hillary. Well, if 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 yeah. that. But everybody's saying watch out for trump it's so scary it's gonna be so horrible and i'm like you mean like people being shot in the street when they're unarmed you mean horrible like that that's already going on you're not talking about changing that at all at all and you want my vote well the just i prefer the justice department of eric holder and loretta lynch than this justice department I don't know. This Justice Department is wonderfully stupid, mm-hmm. and they keep tripping over their own feet and yeah. backing up and re-undoing. Mm-hmm. And Holder wasn't doing shit. I'm sorry. Holder <laughs> wasn't doing shit. Okay. Holder, okay. and he bounced. Oh, he got his chance. The country was ready. Mm-hmm. Just yet another black kid got shot, and the country was ready for mm-hmm. something to happen. The feds are going to do something. Eric Holder announces yeah. his resignation. When when the when the uh, when the I promise we'll get into an origin story. We're going to get to Valerie. No worries. Poor Valerie. No worries. <laughs> but um, when the Ferguson thing happened, was that Loretta Lynch or was that Holder? I think that was Holder. Okay. Well, I mean that's I mean that's something I wouldn't expect Sessions to do. It's the first time I've seen the Justice Department come down on a police organization for not doing the right thing. Yeah. I mean, I'm happy for that, but I'm like, keep going. You mm-hmm. don't don't. You are. You know you aren't fixing the problem. You know even if you win this, this is only a battle and yeah. a big war. This is not <clears> the time <throat> to just say, okay, that's good. Yeah. And I'm out. Yeah. You know, I'm sorry. I, I think Eric Holder is an amazingly talented man. I think he's a really smart man. He is never going to be on my heroes list. He's not going to make it. Loretta mm-hmm. Lynch didn't get an opportunity, plus she has her own history. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would have been willing to see it. I was bummed that she yeah. got let go i was like okay that's yeah. a shame yeah but i love that we have the clown in mm-hmm. because he keeps proving that he is just a clown and people like you who mm-hmm. are in the trenches yeah are just kind of go well wait a minute what does the law actually say that i have to do because my boss is an idiot right right and that's where <clears> we're at yeah and you know there there we could be in a better place but yeah yeah, it's it's tough, and I I would totally agree with you. I hope that our next president 
who I believe will be Kamala Harris, will not play the whole bipartisan thing and say, listen, I don't give a damn about what, you know, the moderates or whatever are crawling across the table and all this stuff. We tried that with Obama. It didn't work. I'm going to shoehorn my thing in. Right. I think it's time. So, you know, I'm also old. Mm-hmm. Obama was the first president that I voted for who was younger than me, and that was actually mm. a factor. I went, what? Vote for a kid? What? Uh, yeah. Okay, he's not that much kid. But, uh, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'm looking down the road and going, Norman, this is not going to change ever for the rest of your life, yeah. so just suck it up. So in, in that sense, I will give Kamala Harris full, mm-hmm. you know, if she throws her hat in the ring, unless she does something really horrible. Yeah, I kind of doubt it, but I mean, I'm biased she's because, you so know, she's... Sm- no, she's so smart. So smart. Oh, yeah. yeah. Holy cow. Because that's yeah. another one. That's another one where people will say, you don't know, because I'm, I'm on the fence. Mm-hmm. Same way I was on the fence with Obama. Yeah. I'm on the fence. Yeah. And people say, you don't know. And I'm like, dude, I was living in San Francisco. I know. Yeah. I watched her career. <clears throat> I watched her ascendancy. Mm-hmm. Even when I wasn't thrilled about it, I had to respect it. It was smart. And yeah. every time I wasn't thrilled about it, she got in her next office and did stuff that wasn't just mm-hmm. she wasn't our next governor yeah who as far as i'm concerned ain't done a damn oh but, gavin uh, newsom gavin yeah yeah but uh, but you know gotta yeah. vote for gavin or the crazy right winger so <laughs> right. okay yeah. i'll tell you a gavin. quick story about kamala harris just before we jump into an origin story with valerie week so i'm in her office and we're doing a we have to show up at the met the um the what it's not the metreon but it's right it's next to the metreon there's like a center Moscone. Oh, uh, Moscone Center. Mo- thank you. So, in any case, it's it's a thing on environmental rights. I, th- I think mm. it was like abalones. People were fishing for abalone, which mm. is illegal. And she had to do this thing. But in the middle, and I'm in the middle of it because I'm helping her with a PowerPoint presentation. Sure. In the middle of it, there was an incident where basically an old woman has her apartment taken over by drug dealers. They basically just sure. move in and mm-hmm. sell and do whatever, and they tell her to shut up or whatever. Oh, right. Yeah. And the police came in, and they had not secured the area. So press and all sorts of stuff were going into the apartment and touching things and just contaminating the evidence. Right. And the poor lawyer who's the prosecutor, ADA, has to report to Kamala to tell her what's going on. She's like, And she's like, okay, let's hold off this environmental meeting right now. So tell me what's going on. And he tells her, and she and she just goes ballistic. She goes, "What the f? God damn it! I told them." Da, 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 da. And it was really refreshing to see that anger. Mm-hmm. This is a woman who really cares, and she I does. see that same anger. I'm <clears throat> saying all the mm-hmm. way up, watching her just march mm-hmm. up. Every time she gets into a new position, she yeah. could do what I think Gavin has done, which is just sort of secure his base yep. and wait for his moment mm-hmm. and then aim for the next office. Yeah. yeah. Every time she has taken on things that she really didn't have to. That's she right. She really could have coasted. Mm-hmm. And every time she has taken on stuff and she's serious about it. I'm like, if this isn't your issue, mm-hmm. then you are reading some political tea leaves yeah. with way more savvy mm-hmm. than I can manage. Yeah. And then you, maybe you need to be president because, <laughs> no, she's mm-hmm. she's smart. Yeah. yeah, smart. Smart and committed and passionate yeah. and mm-hmm. go. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Let's get into an origin story, Valerie Week. Um, so well, we, we know that you're, your Bay Area kids, so. <laughs> yeah. so you're born and raised in San Francisco, huh? Uh, actually, not born in the Bay Area, born in the Midwest. Oh, okay. Where? Uh, my parents went to college in uh, Kansas. They, okay. they, my parents are both from Kansas. My mom Kansas grew up City, in, Topeka. Uh, um, small towns. My mom, my dad grew up in Abilene, Kansas, okay. which is a very small town. Yeah. My mother grew up in unincorporated farming community outside wow. of an even smaller town. 
heard of that yeah. place. Yeah, so outside of an even smaller town in Kingman County, Kansas, and then they met in college. They went to uh, Kansas State University, so they mm-hmm. met there, and mm-hmm. I was born mm-hmm. there while they were in graduate school. Cool. Uh, we lived in Kansas City for a while when mm-hmm. I was very small, and then we moved to California uh, when I was five. To the bay? Uh, to the bay, yeah. yeah. So um, uh, so I grew up out in Pleasanton. Wow, cool. Um, and pretty much, yeah. Back when it was like normal. Back when, what do you mean by normal? It's so built up. Oh, yeah, now. yeah. No, yeah. I remember like when I was in elementary school and they said like, come kids, do this wonderful field trip of this potential new business park. Because Pleasanton has the has right. the, has a, the hacienda business park. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I remember the business park paid for us to all get on school buses and like be driven through and mm-hmm. you know like see like some sort of like Jetsons presentation about right. like business of the future <laughs> stuff like that yeah, yeah nice so, so I grew uh, up sibli- out there siblings I have a younger sister okay uh, who is a librarian, librarian right for on. the city of Oakland and right so on. my sister is at my sister is at the main mm-hmm. uh, at the reference desk after at the main after she jumped on something oh she's at the reference desk at okay. the reference desk among other things after yeah. she chimed in on something I posted oh it was a library I posted about and she posted some wonderful links so the next yeah. time I went in talking to some little lady behind the desk and I'm like are you Valerie Weeks sister she's a what uh, never mind no <laughs> no my sister is the my sister is the librarian with uh, the knuckle tattoos oh okay, oh, okay. So my sister's a, a one of her on her right hand you will see the or maybe it's her left I can't remember now but her knuckles say R-E-A-D Read. Read. Right on. So, and I think that's on her right hand. Uh-huh. She has, and her other <laughs> tattoos are, um, she has other different tattoos, like the word bike. She rides a bicycle. Yeah. And things like that. But, um, yeah, the word so bike is on the That's like board. Radio Rahim, if you remember yeah. um, oh, the yeah. right thing, where yeah. he has right, right, uh, right. love, hate, or whatever it is. Yeah. 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 Nice. Yeah. So one of her hands says read. <laughs> For a while, she was going to, it was supposed to be to the other. And this was the joke, was that she would get read, fool. But uh, mm-hmm. she never got it. She <laughs> so, so it just says read on one of her hands. But that's, mm-hmm. that's my sister, who's a librarian for yeah. the city of Oakland and an Oakland resident, and yeah. I live in San Francisco now. Cool. Um, um, so did you get in, how did you get involved in theater? Uh, I started doing community theater when I was like 10, 11 years old. There was a, right? Yeah, there was a community theater yeah. out there where I lived mm-hmm. um, that, is, that did, um, that they called themselves a children's theater, but that was because, not, be, not necessarily because kids were in the plays, but mm-hmm. because the plays were, mm-hmm. uh, the subject matter was intended for kids and families. So right. it was got things it, like it. Charlotte's Web sure. or like, you know, greatest hits fairy tales like Cinderella sure, and, sure. and stuff like that. So kids played, if there was a kid character, a kid played that part. Uh-huh. And the adult roles were played by adults. And mm-hmm. yeah, and so I got involved nice. in that community theater as a kid and, and then... Um, did high school theater as a high school student, mm-hmm. and then ultimately ended up going to UCLA and majoring in theater at UCLA. Nice. And then after that, coming back to the Bay Area and going, okay, I, like as now I, what do I do? Well, no, as I finished at UCLA, I was like, I'm a theater artist. Right. Mm-hmm. I, these movies and com- you know, like I, I had done right. a show cl- right. toward the end of my college career. I had done a show that was something that had been done on campus mm-hmm. and then transferred to like a 99 seat whatever sure. whatever in Santa Monica. And uh, they have recast some of the roles with people who were actually the right ages to play them and uh-huh. not college students. But I stayed in it. And um, I remember that several of these folks were super excited because someone who cast commercials was coming to see our play. Right. Oh, nice. And, you know, and mm. like, you know, 20, 21-year-old artiste right. that I was, I was like, 
people in Los Angeles just do theater so they can be cast in commercials. Right, right. Clearly the theater here is not serious. I want to do the real work. Mm -hmm. I'm going to head back to the Bay Area and figure (laughs) things out from there. Um, Yeah. So Mm -hmm. headed back to the Bay Area and figured things out from there. Mm -hmm. um, Yeah. So what time period are we talking about when you came back? Is this this the early 80s, the late 70s? Uh, I'm not that old. Okay. Okay. No, I'm no, it was. Uh, I graduated from UCLA in '94, so like oh, mid ni- oh, mid '90s. Okay. Mid '90s was yeah. when I was trying yeah. to figure out. Because we've been out. talking about and the Bay, like mm-hmm. in the '80s, and how it's I changed and it's all just, of that it's stuff. It's going to be a generational thing, just <clears throat> given on people's, eight, you know, the mm-hmm. life, the generation mm-hmm. that we are living in now. Of course, mm-hmm. people are going to be remembering. The older folks that we know are going to be remembering mm-hmm. way back, you know, beginnings of Mind Troop and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. But that's what we keep hearing about. You know, that period is so well, fertile. I can tell, yeah, well, I can tell you too. Like, I remember, like, as a senior in high school, I didn't get to see it, mm-hmm. but I had heard that there was this really cool play called Angels in America that right. was supposed to be amazing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that was happening at the Eureka, Eureka. when I was a senior <coughs> yeah. in high school. Yeah. It made it to the taper, like right. that first taper production was while I was at UCLA. Mm-hmm. And I remember, again, I had no idea what it was, but right. one day on our call board at UCLA, a sheet went up that was like, sign up and you can see this thing, Angels in America, for mm. free. And mm. I was like, I don't know what this is, but I remember but that I, I heard yeah. mm-hmm. it was amazing. And turning to a friend, because I think at the, that time, I don't think I owned a car. So I okay. was like, my friend. In L.A., you in, didn't own a car? Well, college freshman, you're pretty much just going to and from camp. You right. know, you're like, you're living right. in a dorm and you're right. really, and you're eating in a dorm. And, right. and by the time I moved into an apartment, I had a car. But like, you know, you need to get to the taper. You, sure. know, you need to get to downtown L.A., across L.A., and so turned to a friend who had a car and was like, can you do this with me? And we went and we saw the whole thing in one day and we had no idea what we were doing. Wow, you saw that it's in, in its infancy. Oh, at its very infancy, yeah. I didn't realize that it started at the Eureka. The yeah. Eureka on Jackson Street? Uh, it's on Jackson Street now. Back then it was on 16th, I think, Got is where it. that production was. Yeah, they used to have a space. They used to have a, they had a space that I know burned down. Mm. Um, I don't, again, I, right. I don't. Like my my teen years knowledge of San Francisco yeah. is how to get to the Esprit Outlet because mm-hmm. I was yeah. kid, because I was in high school in the eighties. Sure, sure. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, so, I, th- it's so um, I don't know. I think it's right off of Folsom, Sixteenth and Folsom. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, so that's where the Eureka was. Yeah. Well, there was someplace else before that, and that might have been the space. I'm not sure. I know there was I a space that had a bad shows. fire. They were for mm-hmm. a few years in the space on Sixteenth Street. And then they were dormant for the longest time until Angels, you know, I think until it got optioned. Mm-hmm. And then... They used that money to buy the... They bought the Eureka, the, the, yeah. the Gateway Theater the or whatever gateway. it yeah. is. Yeah. Because I came to San Francisco in 97. Mm-hmm. And... Um, the theater scene, I mean, not that I was really into the theater scene. I didn't get into the theater scene until the aughts, until mm-hmm. the 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Was it vibrant? I mean, did you did you act a lot? Did you find yourself? Um, yeah. So I was part of. At first, I was part of. There, there are several theater companies that all sort of like came in through the San Francisco Fringe Festival. Right. right? They did right. their first production. So like Crowded Fire, the very first yes, Crowded sure. Fire production oh. was a San Francisco Fringe. I okay. think it was a, and possibly for Cutting Ball as well. I wouldn't be surprised. Interesting. Um, yeah. You know. So right. I and. Um, I don't think that's the case for Shotgun, but Shotgun was a new no, company. Shotgun, was a new company around yeah. that time as well. So I was I say all this because I was part of sure. a company at that time yeah. I bet that Box came in through the, too. through the Fringe yeah. Festival. Yeah. Oh yeah, which company? Uh, it was it was called. It's not around anymore. It was called Unconditional Theater Company. Um, that's that's I, what we were called. I have an unconditional you, T-shirt. You still have the T-shirt <laughs> with like the little like bean like yeah. the bean man like waving his arms. Who, who started it? Maybe, um, maybe it was started. 
no, John Warren. John Warren, sorry. John Warren, who's now Warren. an educator, um, a woman named Wendy Wilcox, who is uh, now in Portland, um, a few other folks who are around early days, Paul Lincourt, who still does some theater, not so much, um, mm-hmm. but he went on to work a lot with Crowded Fire. Um, I am forgetting people right and left. Yeah, but that's okay. But, yeah, part no, of it, but, yeah. but that was an early company. There are people who sort of like, you know, this again, like 96, yeah. we, we didn't really have Facebook to like sync us right. all in right, and keep right. people connected. Yeah. So there are people who like d- completely disappeared. Like, it's interesting that because I've been involved in a, a couple of French festivals, how mm-hmm. the exit theater, because – now, in the 90s, was it all through the exit theater yes, as well? Yes, it was. It was yeah, it was it's amazing the how the exit well, theater has been sort of a – go ahead. So it was also these small companies. Some of these companies, like Unconditional, were definitely mm-hmm. one that was saying, hey, we've got this amazing thing going on. And they were calling themselves nomad companies. Yeah, that's right. And John was part of that. Yeah. He was part of creating that identity. Mm-hmm. And they did what they originally called – I don't remember if it was Bash or something. It was called something else before the name changed mm-hmm. to um, – Cash Grant. Is that what you're talking about? No, no, no. no. The, um, before it was called The Fringe, uh-huh. it, was, it had another name. Oh, I don't name, remember it before and it was called then The Fringe. It be, and then it got housed at the exit. Mm. And then in, somebody said, well, we should just call it The Fringe. Yeah. Ah, so there was a Fringe before The Exit. It sounds. It sounds like there was it, a fringe. It wasn't point. called a fringe. Oh, it was called something else. Got yeah. it. And it was the mm-hmm. idea at that point was that there were all these small, small theater companies mm-hmm. that were producing work. Yeah. And that if they bounded together and put up a series of short pieces, that they could get some acknowledgement. Mm-hmm. And it was a cool. That was cool, and it worked. It worked so well that a bunch of these companies kind of really did become their own companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fringe has now become this thing that people fly into town for, which amazes me. Was <laughs> that right? Yeah, because I, I hadn't. You know, I think I don't know. If, I don't know if the fringe has sort of is having its nadir, where it's sort of going down. I mean, it sounds like the um, the piano fight is more of the exciting place in San Francisco to go for. Well, I think piano fight is exciting. I I, I would hope that the exit is enough of an institution that I it so. will continue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think so too. Piano fight doing is a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It may be a little bit trendy or, or I don't know, um, something. I feel like Piano Fight, and again, I'm not there a ton, but I mm. feel like Piano Fight is a little bit more um, improv-based. Yeah. Than, there is, there's than a big like, part of that, yeah. yeah. So, like, the, the show that years ago, the show in 96 that we did at the Fringe, that won Best of Fringe, was a piece that was about uh, a senator, the senator from Oregon whose name was Bob Packwood. I remember Robert, Robert Packwood. Pa- yeah. Robert Packwood. Who uh, got thrown out because, yeah. Uh, yeah. He, was a, he got thrown out of being a senator for se- because he was a sexual harasser. Right. Uh, and had been sexually harassing women for years in Oregon. Yes. And, and as well as, and part of what they, and what was interesting about, or what was a sort of twist in his story was that part of what they used to, um, to catch him or to really get his story known mm-hmm. was his own personal diaries were wow. subpoenaed. Oh. Yeah, which was like, what? You can right. do that? You know, so that was a new, like, wow. a new, like, twist yeah. in things. And that yeah. was something that caught um, my friend yeah. John's eye. Right. And so this piece of theater that we made ultimately was, it was a piece of verbatim theater. So yeah. it was all actual things actual people said. Yeah. Uh, arranged into a theatrical mm-hmm. yeah. setting. In that, like, like word for word. Sounds like um, a little bit like word no, for word. No, word for word is a little more okay. whatever is published is what they're trying to represent. I hear you. So John this, this is more, loves to do some editing. This was editing, and it was so it was similar to what people would know as like the Laramie Project. Sure. Or mm-hmm. other things that that, that right. tectonic theater company has yeah. done. So Laramie, yeah. I think, is the biggest one, and that's a few years later. But there are nice. other pieces that are like that. There was, I think, prior to that, there had been an 
there's an Emily Mann play called Execution of Justice, mm-hmm, right. which is about, which I think may have been done at the Eureka before my time, but that's about uh, Harvey Milk. Mm-hmm. Harvey Milk. Yes. Harvey Milk and yeah. Moscone, right? Yeah. And, and also uses a good deal of mm-hmm. uh, verbatim. Right, uh, verbatim language yeah. to make this story. Yeah, John, of John really got into that. I, I ended up doing some pieces with later. the uh, the Bush um, years, which mm-hmm. was fun. The protest against Bush mm-hmm. and the war. Yeah, so he so so unconditional continued to make verbatim theater pieces. Um, I didn't stay with the company. I ended up doing. I ended up sort of falling into the world of touring children's theater, of course. which trying, I think to, mm-hmm. trying to pay the bills. Trying yeah. to pay the bills. So, um, so there was a co- there are co- companies that are no longer in existence in the Bay Area, but there was a company that for a while was called. Um, for a while, it had the name Hampstead Players, and then the name changed to something else. Vaguely, that. Yes. Um, uh, John Tracy was very involved in this company in the mm-hmm. early years, and this was a company that would basically send you send actors out in teams of two, mm, and right. you had two plays mm-hmm. that you had rehearsed in the Bay Area. You had two plays, a van, your costumes, your set pieces, and a giant three ring binder with mm. all of your bookings. Wow! And they basically were like, "We'll see you in two months." Right. Wow. And you would get like <laughs> a, and you would get um, again, you know, it's kind of like pre pre like mass internet days, so mm. you would get. Um, a uh, like a, a mail drop mm-hmm. at your last Friday school mm. every Friday because uh-huh. they knew you were going to be right. there. So they would do a mail drop and they would leave you messages via the schools that you were right. going to if there were changes wow. in plans. Very interesting. Yeah. So yeah. I toured for that company for a while. I did San Francisco Shakespeare Festival school tour. Mm-hmm. That was like the last tour I did that allowed me like at that point because that tour is mostly day trips. Sure. So by then I was actually living in San Francisco. But for about two years I worked for different companies where I toured and mm-hmm. didn't really live anywhere. I would come home and mm-hmm. and couch surf, or mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of my stuff was out at my parents' house in the garage. Right. Thank you, mom and dad. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and um, and yeah, so I did that for a while. Then mm-hmm. SF Shakes tour, and then sort of put down more roots and started to really sure. stay in the Bay Area. Wow. Yeah. How how did your uh, how did your folks feel about you? You know, were they? Uh, supportive. They're they're good, lovely, good, wonderful people. They're, good, good, they're lovely, wonderful people who are completely not connected. I mean, mm. completely not have no arts background. Either one of them, uh, really. Mm-hmm. You know, my mom played. Um, my mom played the flute in her high school mm-hmm. uh, marching band. Yeah, that's her arts connection. Um, you know, um, yeah. But my father is a scientist. My mother sure. uh, is a math person. So, but I mean, I'm, they they didn't give you a hard time. No, I did not have like. Lovely, wonderful people. Good. Thank you, mom and dad. Again, who like not people who are like, how are you going to pay the bill? You know, like sure, or like, sure. you know, I did not have that kind of background. Yeah. They were very supportive. They very, 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 very cool. Really wonderful. Um, are you? Are you? Do you miss being on stage? I mean, uh, do you? Are you comfortable where you are right now, or do you want to be more active? Um, so, uh, so these days I do. I do a little bit of everything. I'm definitely not working as much as I did when I toured, but I don't mm-hmm. have the stamina for that. I mean, right. like, you know, the t- touring days, out. like, you, it wears you out. Before. Yeah, up early. It's like actors are not meant to be actors up Actors are not meant, up to, meant <laughs> to be <laughs> up at four. The clock gets into double digits. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. And, like, you know, and, and I'm thankful for no longer having to perform in places where there's, like, a basketball hoop at one end of your performance <laughs> oh, area. A lot of cafetoriums. Yeah. yeah where they, yeah. like. Can we get the custodian out to move the basketball hoop up? Right, right. right. <laughs> and you get to know enough of those equipments where you, if it's not locked, you can actually do yeah, it. Yeah, right, right. So, so there's that, and um, yeah. So, so these days, I was saying, I do, I, I am still, I'm still an actor. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, a, I joined In Actors fact, Equity. You just turned down. A Anton's well. Well, uh, <laughs> um, 
That was a, there, were, there were a variety of things around. I, I turned down a callback. I did not turn down a job. Just, okay. just to, to semantics, I well, guess. Yeah. But, yeah. I, but I was, but I, I, I was, I was like, wow, yay, Valerie. Yeah. Because, and we talked. I actually talked to Robert about it, and it was like, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, he respects it. He mm-hmm. totally is like, he mm-hmm. gets it, and he's like, oh mm-hmm. yeah. And I was like, yeah. So next time he sees Valerie, he'll be, yeah. So, he'll be so a little more hungry. N- nutshell, nutshell version of that was uh, what had to do with uh, sounds like money. Yeah, yeah, with, yeah. with stipend size and how much it costs to get from point A to point B. Sure. Right. Yeah. yeah, and we've we've you know all, we've had a lot of guests talk about that where mm-hmm. they're excited to you know be a part of a role, but they want a little bit more than the mm-hmm. bare minimum. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, well, this was one that like I I did the math and realized that with the the volume of rehearsals, right. how much it just I mean the sheer economics of how much it costs to get from Glen Park Bart Station to downtown Berkeley Bart yep. Station yeah. and back versus the stipend uh, on the like yeah. for the number of times it was going to be yeah. it wasn't it, I would I would have broken even or I think maybe, I can't remember now no I've, I've done it for years where I'm like okay so the stipend you wouldn't give me mm-hmm. after I factor in my travel cost mm-hmm. is going to be this number mm-hmm. is that how much money you really think I'm worth because and, th- and there have been times that I've I've had that conversation with folks and they've gone oh we didn't realize so let's mm-hmm. see if we can yeah you know let's see if we can raise well, our well, stipend the translation is oh, I didn't here. expect an actor to ask me that question uh, that's well no a lot of producers will and mm-hmm. it's you know we've talked a lot about certain actors and, mm-hmm. um, the guy who knows he's going to an equity audition they're looking for either and he's not equity and then they try to offer him a role and then they want to pay him less money and he's like well wait a minute you were going to pay an equity person for this. And, right. and he gets thus begins the negotiations. He mm-hmm. either gets that money, mm-hmm. or they offer him more, or he says same thing. I for the amount of money you want to pay me, mm-hmm. I basically am paying to do your show. I'm not paying to do your show. Yeah, which is what you got to do. I mean, that's actors have to think of themselves as business people. This is your business. Yeah. So yeah. I don't like anybody with their hand in my pocket. So. <laughs> When you don't recognize that what you think you're offering me is going to cost me money, and mm-hmm. I tell you it's going to cost me money, yeah. at that point, a polite apology is all it takes, and we can both go our separate ways and be cool. And if you don't have that in you, well, that's okay. I'm going to be polite and tell you I'm just not available. And, but I mean, but there are, there are other factors that go into choosing to do a role as well, right? Yeah, so if it's so if it is like if it is like a bucket list, like I've got to play this before I get mm-hmm. too old to play it or whatever, you know, right. you've got mm-hmm. those you've got those dream roles. Maybe you're willing to say like I'm, you know, maybe maybe one is willing to take less money for that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as a um, as a woman, the roles are fewer. I mean, that's mm-hmm. another thing. That, right. That's where the counting actors thing comes in. I As love a, the counting actors thing. I think I stopped you on the street once in Berkeley. You were, we were, yeah. one of us you was on a bicycle, riding, and I was and like, I was whoa. Like, yeah. Hey, I just yeah. want to tell you how You know, we talk about counting actors all the time. I know, you, that, time. You, that you read it, that you yeah. read the post, I and, which I love. I th- Thank you. I, I think the, the word needs to be out there. Yeah. yeah. I need to recognize yeah. it. Yeah, let's talk about that. I, I sort of wanted to piggyback on the whole money thing because, yeah, actors need to think of themselves more as business people or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I've had directors really sell me on, oh, this role is fantastic and you want this role and blah, blah, this and blah, blah, that. Sometimes it works, but, you know, it's it's still about money, you know. I, and, and I want to say something about money, too, because yeah. sometimes there are other ways people, a, a producer may go, well, we don't have the money, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but maybe they have something else. Right. Maybe they have the ability to um, 
so like here, here are some other things that I've negotiated for, in, mm-hmm. mostly in my non-union days. Mm-hmm. Um, I have negotiated for, uh, there was a company, again, a company that no longer exists that was in the North Bay. Uh, I did a show there. They wanted to keep my actual pay, my actual um, stipend under mm-hmm. that $600 thing because right. of um, taxes, because yeah. of taxes. And But they were willing to um, buy me um, a fast track. Uh-huh. And pay for hey. my and pay for my bridge tolls. Right. And so that was a separate. That wasn't them paying me directly. That was them just like putting you on the. They, they fast literally track like they table. bought me a yeah. they bought me a fast track. Um, I've had other projects where there was a there was a a project where um, I I negotiated in um, there was a, like my character had to sing a song. It was a it wasn't a musical, but my character had to sing a few songs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I negotiated again them not to pay me, but to pay a voice teacher I knew. To, because right. they didn't have a voice teacher. Right. So so oh, so so these are other things. Like yeah. so yeah. so if if <coughs> if I if I were again if I were a non-union actor and I found out things like um, oh this show doesn't have a dialect coach but you need me to be the one character who has right. the right. who mm-hmm. has the such and such dialect um, and I'm going to go to a dialect coach anyway. Hmm. Or I'm right. going to have to buy, you right. know, a set of dialect CDs or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Can you just buy them for me? Yeah. You yeah. know, these kinds that, of things that you can like negotiate for. Yeah. Um, so, so, so that sticking point around money. Yeah. And, th- you know, young actors, if you're listening, there you go. That's part of your negotiation, you know. Or, you it know, can be, yeah. Yeah, negotiating things like, like on, on, on camera project, I've negotiated things like, like, oh, you want me to wear my own clothes in this film, but you, you want me to actually wear not just my own, like, T-shirt and jeans, but I'm playing a business person, <laughs> you mm-hmm, know? Yeah. I'm playing a business person, so I need to wear my, <coughs> my, my business lady outfit. Mm-hmm. And this film also, this film happened to be a zombie film, right. which required, like, blood <laughs> and right. guts and yeah. stuff like that. I'm like, so... Um, Dry cleaning, right, right. And they were like, "Oh, we hadn't even thought of that." I'm like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna need it." Yep, right. Because there we go. I don't know, because yeah, because like the way the script was written, I was supposed to get bitten in the neck by a zombie. Oh. So, so there you go, right? <laughs> yeah. So like, stuff's gonna need to get cleaned because of, of what's happening. So, so these are things one can negotiate these, for as well. These are the fun conversations you right? can imagine tax people having with you. And so, what was this one? Yeah. <laughs> well. Then going to get bitten in the neck by a zombie. So, so yeah. I needed the dry, dry cleaning. cleaning. <laughs> but, but, but again, like they yeah. worked the dry cleaning into their film right, budget. They, yeah. Right? Yeah. they paid for it. I yeah. didn't mm-hmm. have to go to a dry cleaner. And, and that's awesome. That's, yeah, that's that fantastic. Was, but but these are kinds of things you can mm-hmm. you can think about. The what can things you barter for? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So let's talk counting actors. How yes. did you – was this your dream child? I mean, did yes. you think about this? Yeah. So when I joined – so here's the thing. Like a lot of folks who join Actors' Equity – when I joined Actors Equity, I stopped working. You get those phone calls, and then you remind them, and like, oh, you're, oh, you're Equity. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Well. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, okay. a lot of doors shut. Yeah. Then, yeah. So it's well, it's, so it's basically like like the the process of joining Equity is basically this this um, you know again to use to use a clothing metaphor like the 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 thing they used to be able to buy at Target. Is now only for sale at Neiman Marcus, mm, right, 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 right. And they're like, "But I used to be able to buy this exact thing at Target. Mm-hmm. You can't anymore. It's not mm. sold there. Right. You, it's only sold at Neiman Marcus, or mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. insert other." So anyway, so I stopped. So I stopped working when I joined mm-hmm. the union. I was like, "What is happening?" Because I don't think I suddenly turned into a terrible actor. Right. Right. Um, why am I not working? And so then I started to go, "Well, well, how much work is there?" Mm-hmm. 
because I had, I had had the experience as a non-union actor of doing things like working at Shakespeare festivals that were on ratios. Mm-hmm. So ratios being mm-hmm. um, we have five contracts and then everybody else is going to be non-union and on a stipend. Right. The, the five contracts are going to people who are getting a weekly salary plus contributions to pension and health. Right. And then everybody else is like, here's $500, have a good summer. Right. You know, we, mm-hmm. we had so much. And it didn't matter what size the roles were. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so I remember years ago uh, working at a Shakespeare festival on a production of Merchant of Venice where I played uh, Nerissa, who is Portia's best friend and follows her everywhere she goes, oh, but right. doesn't say very much. Uh, the, the, the actor who played Portia was non-union. And mm-hmm. the five contracts on that show all went to men. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And some of them went to men who were playing smaller roles. Right. Wow. So, so I was like, so what's happening here? Mm-hmm. This is so. So having had that experience, having this, being in the middle of having this experience of like I'm union but I'm not working, and knowing that it had seemed like there were often times when more contracts went to male actors than female actors, right. I started going, well, how much work is there? Mm-hmm. Um, and how much work goes to a union actor and how much work goes to a non-union actor. And, mm-hmm. a, and, and so I started counting. Mm-hmm. And the first month of counting, I just did on my own. It was just right. like the plays I saw that month. Mm-hmm. And at the time I, uh, at the time I, had, you know, at the time, you know, it was again, you know, that point in like around 2009, 10, 11, when people were like, we're blogging. It's the thing we do now. So I had already had a blog, like oh, a cool. little bit of like an actor blog, like, right. you know, talking about some of these things like related to negotiation and stuff that mm-hmm. we've just been talking about. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm going to make this a feature of my blog. And I started doing it and then uh, continued to do it. And then, and then sort of somewhere around 2011, 2012 or so, mm-hmm. a lot of things started snowballing in the region for female-identified actors around, right. like, why aren't we working? Or female-identified theater artists in general. Yeah. Like, why female-identified directors going, how come I work a lot at these, you know, how come I'm putting up my own work, but when I take the my own work that I put up and I take that resume and I go to a larger theater, I'm not getting hired. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. so different people are like, I'm bumping up against this thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and um so yeah, so so that's where the counting project came out of this yeah. thing that all of us were bumping up against. Well, I never thought about that. I never thought about how, let's say, you know, there's a, there's a illustri- there's let's, I don't know, let's let's say it's Caesar, and mm-hmm. you know, the, mm-hmm. there are actors who are playing lesser roles. You know, you could have someone, let's say, play Portia mm-hmm. or Lady Macbeth or whatever, mm-hmm. and they're doing some incredible stuff there, memorizing all right. sorts of lines, doing mm-hmm. all the hard work, but they may be paid less than. I, and and it's yeah. significantly less. Because right. yeah. like oh, the folks yeah. who are on the we, the folks who oh, are the on weekly, yeah. the folks if if you're the actor on contract, this was again this you know years you know if mm-hmm. you're the actor on contract, you're getting several hundred dollars a week. Mm-hmm. Plus you know, equity health insurance is really nice. Yeah. Equity health insurance covers a lot, and you pay one hundred a quarter, and your copays are like nothing. Yeah, and yeah. and uh, and the way equity health insurance—I don't know if we talked about the way equity health insurance works—is you have to accrue points mm-hmm. uh, each week of work at a th- at a theater that's at the level that has the point system. Yeah, um, counts counts as a point. Mm-hmm. And once you, it's something. Uh, I'm going to get the numbers wrong. Norman may have more, but it's something like um, 
12 points in 12 a weeks, yeah. 12 weeks in a six month period will get you six months of health Something insurance. Yeah. Uh, 20 <coughs> weeks in a year long period will get you a year of health insurance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and again, it's good sure. coverage yeah. with yeah, very yeah. low copays mm-hmm. and um, yeah, with very low copays. Yeah. And, and again, and you're. Very low copays when you visit the doctor, right. and you so get it's not just so the it's not just that the doctor's getting the paycheck; it's that they're also getting health insurance and, and a contra- living, yeah. and a contribution toward eventually their actor's pension. Yeah, yeah. and then they're the, and, and then the luxury of not having, not having to work, not having to have a side job or you're, you're compensated well, it for. On you may still have side hustles because it's the Bay Area. Much everybody, does everybody in the Bay Area, as the Bay Area right yeah. now, is the Bay Area. I think across yeah. the country, but as the Bay Area gets so, but a but a non-equity actor is getting five hundred dollars at the end of the summer. And must have another job. Must. Well, an yeah. equity actor in the Bay Area must have another job. There's only, what, is it, is the rep playing nine now? I think ACT is paying more than nine a week now. Um, but those are the big houses. Everybody, uh, not everybody, but These a lot days, of the people like, are paying, you know, four or no, five maybe. Nobody in the Bay Area makes 100% of their money that they need to live on by acting in place. Nobody does. Yeah, I hear you. But but there is but but you're right, Reg. This, yeah. The difference is significant between yeah. the yeah. folks who are getting five hundred dollars at the end of the summer. Yeah. And so they're busting their ass all day doing sure. jobs like what Norman's been doing right yeah. now, right? Yeah. So they're so so mm-hmm. when I was doing those those jobs, I was doing like I was at summer camp from you know, I was at summer camp teaching jobs from like 8.30 in the morning till 4.30 out in the right. afternoon and then eating dinner in my car and hustling to rehearsal or a yeah. show sure. in the evening Sure, um, because yeah. I only had that $550 stipend or whatever. Right. right. No, I totally hear you. I did have a quick question. So do you think that it's, let's say, discrimination, maybe even sexual discrimination, or are we talking about a company that could hire an equity female actress but sees another non-equity actress and says, hey, Maybe There's I can get away. So many factors. Yeah, I think that I just saw RBG last night, mm-hmm. and so ah, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Totally. That, that I thing. love totally. that film. That's yeah. a great totally movie. Mo- it's that you sit in the film going, "How close am I going to get to tears?" And we're just hearing history, and it's just being laid out. But it, what it's the big case that they lay out is she had a strategy, and she approached it in this very specific way yeah. to just talk about it as discrimination. Mm-hmm. How do you characterize that discrimination? I see. You know, it's, but so a company may say, go, was, go ahead. She knew that she was educating yeah. when she got to the Supreme Court. She said she knew she was educating the justices in something that they didn't think existed. So this wasn't about arguing with somebody. Yeah. It was about educating them. And that's what I love about the Counting Numbers, Counting Actors Project is – you just put the numbers All out. I do, yeah. So with the project itself, I try to just say, here are the numbers. Yeah. And I don't say, shame on you, theater company right. X. You never hire women. Yeah. Or, right. hooray for you, theater company Y. You've done a full season of female sure. playwrights. I sure. never do that. I, I just say, here's what it looks like. Yeah. But it becomes impossible to talk about it without the conversation going there, which I, I think is also the point. Mm-hmm. You, otherwise, you, you would say, like you say, well, is it just this or is it just that? When you see the numbers and the discrepancies are I huge, yeah. it's hard to say, well, maybe it's just coincidence. Well, sure. Yeah. So, so, but back to this question, these, these, you know, these questions about, um, about casting. Yeah. Um, so just, so first of all, side note, counting actors, I don't just count actors. I also look at gender of playwright and gender of director, mm-hmm. but back yeah. to this question. Yeah. Um, so 
there, there are a lot of factors that go into it. I'm curious, Norman, mm -hmm. your group of students, yeah. uh, how many of them are female and how, how many oh, of them the majority, identify? Of the majority of student actors are female. In fact, one of my playwrights, we had eight young playwrights, mm -hmm. um, one of my playwrights had been an actor last year, loved him, mm -hmm. had every intention of using him, and it turns out he's not gonna, his family's going on a trip tomorrow, so he won't even be here. But he yeah. wrote a piece, so we'll do his piece. I was totally going to use him because I've got three men. Yeah. So, so this is one. Th so, I think first of all, yeah. I am not and like a dozen. Yeah. Women. Yeah. I am not in casting, but I hear tell yeah. <laughs> that mm. of the folks who are in casting, mm. there are a lot more. There are just generally a lot more women, women. out yeah. there yeah. than there are. Men. I was just thinking about you know when I went to Duke Ellington School of the Arts. I was maybe let's say when I when it began, I was maybe four five men out of maybe twenty women. Girls, I guess. And when I graduated, I think I was the only. This is high school. Yeah. And I, and, and I was the only one of two who actually graduated because the other guys dropped out. Huh. It's interesting. It's fascinating. I, yeah. I don't want to get into why and how and all that yeah. sort of but stuff. So, but, but, yeah. so, but so there's so that's one factor, right? Yes. It goes all the way back to how folks are socialized as young people. Right. Yes. Uh, and who wants to take a, who thinks they should take a theater class and who thinks they shouldn't take a theater right. class. Right. It goes, that's one factor in mm -hmm. it. Um, then, then I think then a, another factor in it is then looking at like people who are doing plays from what I'm just going to call the canon, whether sure. the canon is the classical canon, whether the canon Man is it. the musical theater canon. Sure. Um, those stories are predominantly the the canon of stories that we have is primarily by male identified writers and it's primarily puts male identified characters in the center of those stories yeah right. so um and so women are hungry for portia but honestly portia doesn't get to do much yeah well i mean i mean portia you know it's not a bad female, role, but female characters are written as female characters are written as reactive female right. characters are written as, yeah female characters are written as reactive female characters are um, are acted upon female characters. Yeah. So, like mm -hmm. uh, Quixote Nuevo, I have not seen it, mm -hmm. but uh, I know the basic story of Don Quixote, right? So, right. Mm -hmm. Don Quixote is this guy who's going out and doing stuff, right. and Dulcinea is, is this it? lady that he thinks about, right? Right. Right. So, so the object of his is she's, yeah. she's an object. She's yeah. not. Right. An, she's not an active. So, yeah. so because so many of our stories have so many of our stories that we want to tell over and over and over. Mm -hmm. Have male characters as active, yeah, and right. female characters as acted upon as right. object. So, so this is another part sure. of this puzzle as yeah. well. And it goes into theater companies that choose these pieces instead of other yeah. dominant pieces. Like when we had Susan Evans on, mm -hmm. who runs the Town Hall Theater, yes, and she is very. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, she's very. Uh, you know, like you know, she'll do the three women, or well, she's got sense and sensibility. Sense and yes. sensibilities. And, yeah. Um, was it here we were talking about it? Somebody mm -hmm. was telling me about how um, fascinated they were with – oh, no, it's – this guy I just talked about in Danville um, – was telling me how fascinated he was with the production because he came in with expectations. Mm -hmm. And apparently it's a very stripped-down yeah. version and really tells the story. And it's it's a script written by – it's a, the script is made by a female writer named Kate Hamill, who is, an, who is a New York-based writer. Mm -hmm. And she has been adapting Jane Austen as an actor so that she can have work. Right. Right? Uh, wow. So she's cool. making – so she has yeah. looked at Jane Austen and gone, oh, there is somebody in the yeah. past who is, you know, air quotes, canonical. <coughs> right. Who right. – 
tell stories about women. They're, right. they're right. out there. Yeah. Stories yeah. Of, with female characters who are the actors. Right. Who, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We can tell that we can tell stories yeah. and we can put women in them and we yeah. can find ways to make these female stories. And also, uh, she prior to that, uh, she did Lisa Cron's Well. Uh, Lisa mm-hmm. Cron mm-hmm. is uh, a known writer, and, you know, Well is basically a story about her and her mother. Yeah, I saw it when I was at ACT. And fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And also Yasmina Reza, who did Lifetimes 3, right. mm-hmm. which talks about family life and, you know, and what, you know, and the dynamics, mm-hmm. the intricate dynamics so, so of that. So yeah. through, count, through the Counting Actors Project, yeah. uh, I have gotten paid. I, I don't get paid to do it. It's a thing sure. that I do. Just sure. me in my little Excel spreadsheet, like, right. you know, kind of over in the corner. Yeah. But when I got to a point where I had over 500 uh, plays logged, 500 shows logged, right. um, I connected with, and I have been connected with prior, uh, there's an organization called Women Arts. Uh, mm-hmm. Women Arts, uh, the woman who runs Women Arts, Martha Richards, is an amazing person. She is sort of a, um, mm-hmm. an OG of of the gender parity movement in in the arts um and she is based in berkeley Mm -hmm. and um she uh women arts commissioned and paid for me to put my data together christine young also as on behalf of uh works by women Mm -hmm. christine also got into this a little bit as well um and we made i made a report Mm -hmm. uh Again, with Christine and Martha both help doing a ton of vetting yeah. and editorial oh, stuff. Yeah. But a report of those first 500 shows, putting all the data together and looking for trends. Mm-hmm. So that that report nice. uh, is shows from, I think, 2011 is when I started the project. So that goes to, I think, 2014, 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, so key trends that we found. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, women work with women. Uh-huh. So what that means is, in other words... Female directors right. tend to work with female playwrights. Mm-hmm. Female directors and female playwrights, simpatico there. Right. Uh, female directors and female playwrights, female playwrights tend to write roles for women. Right. Female directors tend to cast women right. and tend to find ways to, um, to, to put a play together so that female actors can be in it. So mm-hmm. an example of this that I have... Uh, the now defunct San Jose rep several yeah. years ago, playwright or not playwright, I'm sorry, director Kirsten Brandt mm-hmm. uh, did a version of Doctor F- of Marlowe's Doctor Faustus oh, uh-huh. with a cast of four, uh-huh. one man playing Doctor Faustus, three women playing everything else, and the three women cast in sort of a of uh, a. a um, Virgin mother crone, aged dynamic, and so you can tell that story, yeah, right, with that and and open that up in a new way. So wow, fa- fascinating. So yeah. so so women direct women, yeah, uh, women write for women, all of that goes together. That's yeah. one of the trends we found. Another trend we found is the more money, the fewer women. Right. Hmm. The more money involved in a production, yeah, the fewer women there are. Mm-hmm. Does that mean more money for the women because you're not spreading the money? Out no, it means the. I mean, the more the the larger the budget of the production, yeah. the fewer women are involved. Okay, yeah. was a trend that we saw. So when there's better so checks out there, women are not getting. So it. women are in oh, on the I ground see. floor producing. I, I, okay, women are producing their own stuff at like sure. the fringe festival level, at these right. small, oh, at the I smaller see. level. Yeah. Um, with, right, write but, your own show level. Yeah. Right at the write your own show level, produce it yourself because no one else is letting you play the role mm-hmm. level. Yeah. Um, but as you get up to our higher budgeted theaters in the region. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There are fewer and fewer women. Right. There's a there's a ceiling. Right. There's yeah. a gatekeeper. Yeah, yeah. It's happening. Wow. Yeah. 
I mean, we hear about the glass ceiling yeah. in the corporate world. Yeah. We don't think about it in theater. I think about it all the time. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you do. <laughs> yeah, that's, what I, that's why I love the movie. Because um, I didn't RBG. know much about RBG. I yeah. did not know much. About, I knew some about her. I knew, you know, the pop stuff. Um, and it was something. Maybe it was when Scalia died. But it might have been before that where I started to hear other things. Mm-hmm. I didn't know her history. One. And when I started looking at that, it was like, oh, my God. This incredible woman just found a way. She wasn't, and that was one of the things they point out in the film. Women's lib is happening. This activism is happening. Mm -hmm. And instead of getting out in the streets, this little lady sits down and Mm -hmm. writes up a good, you know, argument about how this is discriminatory. Yeah. And does it, and it's so funny, apparently she was disappointed with her first Supreme Court outing. Because her first argument in front of her the first argument in yeah. front of them because uh, she got four she got I think it won but there were only four judges who signed off on her argument and if five had it would have set a precedent it would have oh it would have made it yeah you know, more powerful and that's what she was aiming for yeah right she was it was she was aiming for all nine because she's well, RBG yeah <laughs> right. she, but she but her goal wasn't just to win the case her sure. goal was to change American law right. And that would have done it in a stroke. That would have taken a huge yeah. step forward. And instead, yeah. she's like, I, li- I later realized <laughs> you just have to take it a step and a step and a step. And that's what you do. And she's yeah. brilliant. When Norman told me about counting actors, the mm-hmm. immediate question I had was, well, you've got a breakdown of gender. What about race? Yep. I, everybody asks me that. So. I know yeah. they do. Yeah. So, and Norman is, I think, again, that, that day that you flagged me down. That's, you asked that me was that, why I was at, stopping yeah. you. And yeah. I got to, fortunately, we did not connect after that. So mm-hmm. I got to think about it and think mm-hmm. about it. And the more I would look at counting actors and realize just how much work that is. Yeah. I'm like, mm. Well, and here's the big thing. The big thing is that the – so I, I – basically every show I see mm-hmm. or work on, I mm-hmm. count. Right. Uh, I've got a place on the Works by Women – there's a place on the Works by Women San Francisco website where people can click on the li- – you know, there's, right. a, there's a page within it, and mm-hmm. it's a form mm-hmm. that people can fill out and mm-hmm. answer the questions, and, I get, and it sends an email, and I get the data. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people who send show info are an audience member. Right. Oh, I see. So, so, so no it's, way. it's not about self-identifying, sure, right? Sure. So, um, so it's so it's not about self-identifying. It's about looking at you know I saw and and b- frankly, I- even in terms of gender, people are making educated guesses based on that's right. you know based on and that's something that uh, as uh, that's the way the project has evolved is that I now um, so to me mm-hmm. as I count. I'm looking at if the person is using female identified pronouns, she, mm-hmm. her, hers, mm-hmm. I'm counting that person as female. Right. Yeah. If the a person is using he, him, his pronouns, mm-hmm. I'm counting that person as male. Yeah. If they are using pronouns they, them, right. uh, zer, or mm-hmm. uh, z, her, whatever, I'm counting those folks as trans. So I'm putting, so I'm actually doing three. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so to me, she, her, hers, that does include some people who may um, not be assigned female at birth. Right. right, right. So, so, so that's in there as well, and and that's the one place. So, uh, so people are looking at, you know, what role is this person playing? Sure. What gender identity do they seem to have mm-hmm. yeah. based on their headshot? Yeah, right. And also what, the pro- program. What, what pronouns are in their bio? Right. Um, but yeah, but but so race is a much trickier. Th- race and ethnicity is a much trickier thing to yeah. look at because yeah, I had, I had forgotten that actors themselves don't answer these things. No, right, no. The audience members. Right. No, yeah. and, and so it's not. Well, and there is a film version that is doing. It, mm-hmm. but but yeah, they've acknowledged that that is a tricky thing because now you're projecting. Well, I mean, this to you me. Know, what is Vin Diesel? 
Well, yeah, yeah. yeah so, good, so because no one is saying how they self-identify, and this part goes goes back to me to like when when I was in college, um, I had a college classmate who was. Uh, uh, one of her parents was Japanese. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, Hapa, I guess, is what you would call oh, her, right. her yes. now. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so one of her parents was Japanese. Her other parent was of European background. Uh, our whole college career, she played Native American. Mm. She played mm-hmm. Latino, Latinx. She played um, – there, there was this piece about this um, – uh, Russian Russian woman who was in movies around the same time that uh, Rudolph Valentino was in movies, uh-huh. a woman named Pola Negri, yeah. and, and someone had written a musical about Pola Negri, and she played, Pol- you know, this like mm-hmm. Russian Pola Negri. So that was the point, like way back then, knowing this friend, that yeah. I was like, wait a minute, mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't, you know, people are people play right. what they. That was sure. my first example yeah. of like we had Michael Dorado uh, here, and he's played everything. I, yeah, I'd yeah. like him to play more. I, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. and I think and I think. So, 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 because it's not uh, an artist self-reporting what they sure. identify as, yeah. that's why I don't count uh, race and ethnicity. Okay, um, mm-hmm. and that's always been that question. Uh, but yeah, people do want to ask me to do. People are like, "Why don't you count designers? You should right. count gender of designers. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you count these? You know, like yeah. all these. Why don't you count the office staff? Why I'm don't like, you quit your day job? Why don't you? You know, why don't right. you? Why don't you pay me? Why don't you write me a grant? Well, do you, do you think that counting actors is getting the effect that you want it to have? Um, that it's as that it's uh, creating results, I guess. Yes, helping people it. to be oh, self, helping companies question. to be self-aware of what they're doing I think, and what they're not doing. I, I think it's one of many things. You know, people are there's you know as I think there's a lot more um, there's a lot more call out culture than there was in yeah. 2010, right. 2011 when I started yes, doing yeah. it. So there's a lot more call out culture than there was. I, I, it, it's hard for me to point to a theater company now that. So unless a theater company is all musical theater repertoire mm-hmm. or has Shakespeare as part of their name of their company, mm-hmm. I think every – I'm going to say pretty much every other company in the Bay Area does not dare to do a season without a female playwright in it. Cool. Because they know someone's going to say, wait a minute, you are right. doing a play of all, all, ma- all male playwrights. Yeah. Uh, and we're seeing a lot – and there are many companies that consistently are looking for uh, if they have a season of six plays – Three of them will be by female writers. Three by male writers. Mm-hmm. Three will be directed by women. Three will be directed by men. So awesome. the beginning. So that's yeah. something that's happened. And there are even and there are some folks. Um, I'll shout out Rebecca Annals of the San Francisco Shakespeare Festival, mm-hmm. who has said, who has made a commitment in her company mm-hmm. to. They are one of these companies that is on ratios right. when they do their big outdoor summer show. Mm-hmm. And so she has looked at her. Mm-hmm. She 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 does Shakespeare. Her company does Shakespeare for free. Mm-hmm. Anybody can come up and see that. Right. So she's like, we gotta look like everybody. Yeah. And we gotta we gotta look like everybody who comes mm-hmm. and we've got to have our pay according to that. So she makes sure that her union contracts are going to an equal number of male and female artists. Mm-hmm. She also is looking at artists of color as well and making sure mm-hmm. that her contracts go to mm-hmm. a percentage that uh, significant. I don't know all of her numbers, but I think mm-hmm. she's 50-50 on her contracts for artists of color. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and her cast as a whole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now, that does that mean that you ask difficult questions for theater companies? Because when, when you find out about these equity contracts – that means you have to make a phone call or you talk to people. Oh, right? when I so when I see an uh, yeah so when I see an audition announcement yeah. and I see that the audition announcement says we have this many contracts this summer. Oh, I see. Yeah. yeah. So so usually, typically, it, when you see the audition announcement, it's not earmarked. 
that like right. this is the equity role in right. this show. Right. Or these three are the equity roles in this show. It's right. usually not earmarked. Right. Sometimes the cynic can go, oh, come on. I know that the only role in my age range only has one scene in the play. Right. Right. They're going to get a non-union person for that. Mm-hmm. So sometimes the cynic in me can cross my arms and do that. Other times I might go, depending on my relationship with a casting director, I might go, so do you know where you think you're going to use the contracts on this show? Mm-hmm. Should I come in? Mm-hmm. And they might say, yeah, come in. Or they might say, you know, don't come in. Right. You know, so that can happen. That, sure. that happens as well yeah, to I me see. as an actor. Yeah. To yeah. honest. Yeah. yeah. Very, very cool. And yeah, so that's, yeah. that's how all that mm-hmm. goes for me personally. Well, we fit, we've actually crossed the hour mark. Well, no, we're having so much fun we talking. We're super chatty. <laughs> okay. No, what I mean, this is important. I mean, yeah. you know, diversity. Of course, I think because, you know, I'm black, racial diversity, mm-hmm. but also gender diversity. I mean, we've had a lot of females come on the show. Can I pause you? Of course. So, because I knew I was going to come talk to you today. Yes. Mm-hmm. I um, counted. Your guests? I counted your guests from the past six months very cursorily, just from what I know that, like, Bob is Mm -hmm. a boy's name and Susie is a girl's name. Mm -hmm. And uh, of your guests in the past six months, Mm -hmm. you've had 15 guys Mm -hmm. that I know for sure. Right. Six women that I know for sure, yeah. mm-hmm. and three that I couldn't tell because their names were initials oh, or, or uh-huh. were sort of gender neutral names that sure. could be like one of them was a person named Morgan, and mm-hmm. I didn't know Morgan, and I didn't know if Morgan was male yeah. or female. Mm-hmm. Another person, their name was so there were three that I couldn't tell. Right. Uh-huh. So that's you guys for the past six months, yeah. and because I was just reading the names, I don't know what percentage was were artists of color or not. Well, but it's, it's quite all right. I will have look, you at, look that. at this. Look at this. He's, there's a spreadsheet here. This is fantastic. Nineteen <laughs> women, twenty-nine men. Overall. Overall. Uh huh. And I have actually the breakdown. Actually, it's not mm-hmm. even up to date because I Isaiah do forth, but that's only sixty-one. Yeah. You are sixty-ninth guest. Yeah. So you got to so catch we, up. Yeah. Exactly. Uh-huh. And uh, no, I, I hey, you know, we mm-hmm. this, this is what it's all and, about. And, and, us, we have to, and, and so that's me saying that. But yeah. I'm also going to say you've mentioned artists of color. Everything I'm saying yes. about gender representation, yes. like female artists of color are hit double. Right. Right. So right. if I were oh, yeah. if I were trying to oh, be yeah. if I if if my count were instead mm-hmm. like who are so of the the female artists of color mm-hmm. are are a significantly smaller portion of that. So yeah. all of this conversation wow. that I have, yeah. Yeah. I do need to say I do want to say that I'm recognizing artists uh, female artists of color mm-hmm. are at significantly lower rates than yeah. than yeah. Well, women as a whole. The other thing I love about this subject though is. Mm-hmm. You know, like I grew up in the era of affirm. In fact, affirmative action was put in place, and mm-hmm. by the time I was, I don't think I got to college before it was already under attack. Mm-hmm. And within a few years, it was mm-hmm. basically gone. Mm-hmm. And I understand all the arguments against it. There are valid arguments against mm-hmm. it, but you're not trying to make a case. You're just saying these are the numbers. Let's have a conversation. That's what I'm yep. saying. These yep. are the numbers. Let's have a conversation. Mm-hmm. And, and see I think that's important. And I think it's important to have it in all and you people mm-hmm. are like you're being too sensitive. I'm being sensitive because I'm acknowledging what is there for anybody to see if they bother to look. Mm-hmm. And there's also a phenomenon of and this there's a phenomenon of um, of how I, how I want to explain this. Mm. There's a phenomenon of when um, when representation comes up, when, when, for example, somebody suddenly does a show and it's an all-female cast, mm-hmm. um, um, 
so then everybody's like, oh my God, we fixed it. Right. Because that somehow oh, that right. one, whether right. that's the one show with an all female mm-hmm. cast or that's the right. one artist of color show in the season, mm-hmm. it's it somehow because of how few of them there are, it's seen as larger than it is right. and yeah. more than it is. Right. Yeah. So sometimes people are like, holy crap, there's five shows with female playwrights in this month. Right. We've fixed it. We've solved it. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, you know what? Next month, we're back down to only two. Well, yeah. And something like Sense and Sensibility. How is it being reviewed? How is it being... Because what I heard from this guy, and this is an old, old white guy mm-hmm. who does sees shows out, out all the time, mm-hmm. and he just kept going. I, I just got to tell you, it's so amazing. And I thought, if you've read Jane Austen, you already know she's amazing. Um, I, I talked to, I talked to a number of kids groups this spring about Sense and Sensibility, and because Ashlyn was also doing it, yeah, and. And they always start off, the boys always start, uh, it's like, dude, if you like literature, I love literature. When I find, I didn't read Jane Austen, but when I finally did, I was like, holy cow, like this is some of the early stuff where the novel actually becomes a meaningful thing. This is when Mm -hmm. writing takes a turn that is really exciting. This character is not exciting. She's not some girl sitting around in skirts drinking tea. Mm -hmm. She's that, and sometimes she likes it and sometimes she doesn't. And she's a whole other mind that is wonderfully engaging. It's a great story. And it's like, well, why are we – we're just not used to it. And now we're, we've become a culture that's resistant to it. Mm-hmm. So it becomes this act of rebellion to do these things. And that's what I kept saying it's to these more than that. It's more than that, Norman. It's the, it's the fact that um, because of, like, what's in our canon of what we're taught in school, mm-hmm. sure. um, young white men don't – have to learn how to identify with someone who is not themselves mm-hmm. yeah. as a protagonist of a story. Right. Yeah. right? They right. don't, you, you know, I can remember the first time that I was like, oh, that's me right. in a story. Ah, yeah. Can you? Can either of you? In a story, whether that was a movie or a book or a... Well, I mean, I think about as a, uh, when I first saw Good Times, it's interesting. When ah. I, so, Charlie's Angels, you know, mm-hmm. Farrah Fawcett was just everywhere, everywhere, mm-hmm. everywhere, and people were like in love. Well, I mean, there's just oversaturation. Right. Young, white woman, blonde, whatever. Sure. All of a sudden, I see Good Times, and I'm like, wow, that's just like my family. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's, a, it's an important identification. It's yeah. like, wow, there's my representation right there. I can think right of there. other things that are... You know, more ob- more universal, like Peanuts, for example. Charlie Brown. I had no problem identifying. And when they put a black character in it, I was actually like, why do I have to be that guy? I can be anybody. Yeah. In this. But in terms of actual identification, of course, Raisin in the Sun. Yeah. You know, that Walter was Lee a Edgar. family yeah. that I recognized, a story that I recognized. But we, we all learned as young people to mm-hmm. cr- cross ourselves right. into other stories. Sure. And to right. go like, yeah, so that person doesn't look like a me at all. Yeah. But I can find things about them that I d- identify with. Sure, sure. Young white men don't get that skill in the same way. Right, yeah. Because the bo- – and so when they're forced to do it, they resent it. They're like, right. oh, why do I have to watch this chick flick or right. this exactly. – right? Right, So, so this yeah. – why do I have to find well, myself – that doesn't saying, speak to me. That I'm right. saying as a marketing yeah. point, I would say to people, wow, you're going to see something that's going to freak you out because it's going to be so different. Mm-hmm. You know, just find some language around that because yeah. I want them to go and have the experience. Yeah. yeah. Or I think about – it was last year. I think it was late last year. Um, someone did an all-female version of Glengarry Glen Ross, right. uh-huh. which was incredible. Did you see uh, that? Did you know about that? It was like it I was know there was a reading, reading at Shotgun. Yeah. I didn't yeah, get to see it. Yeah, it was see a reading it. at no. Shotgun. 
Yeah, yeah uh, I, actually it was last year. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you take, and maybe that's an, an anomaly, but you say, okay, you take an all-male, all-testosterone, uh, you know, play, mm-hmm. but put women into it and see, you know, what happens. Well, two of the women that were just in Scapegoat that mm-hmm. I just did um, were in it. Mm-hmm. And it came up. It came up as we were having our closing party, and they started talking about it. And they, and another woman who had seen it was there, and she said, "I've known that play since it was published. It was the first time that play resonated for me." And I thought, that is an interesting thing to say about Mammoth, because I know I feel just the opposite. I read that, and I'm like, "Oh my God!" I anytime I see men like this, I go running. I, I can't see it sit through an evening of this mm-hmm. because I avoid this in my life. To, to hear that women were able to take it and turn it in a way mm-hmm. that still brought it to life, that still told the story, but allowed them to take what to me is a toxic masculinity and look at it from a different angle. I was like, okay, I might see your mammoth. I might yep. be willing to go see yep. your mammoth. Yeah. But, but, why, but why do we have to do that? Right. Yeah. Why, why can't we find the stories that maybe – why can't we find a story about you know a group of uh, – a group of women who work in business. There's a great, there are a ton of them, yeah. you know, that happened too. That happens right. too. There right. are women who, and you know, like, mm-hmm. why can't it be a, um, there's a play. Um, it was at the Barrier Playwrights Festival several years ago uh, called the comparables. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a play about three women who are uh, realtors. They work in a realtor's oh, office together okay. and it's a women in business play. Wow. Why doesn't that play get done more? You mm-hmm. know, I mean, it, it had a production in Seattle. Well, that you gets know, so into that bigger conversation. Yeah. Cause I felt like that since a kid, First time I saw a Shakespeare play where they had changed it to some other setting or whatever, I was uh-huh. like, why do that? Why not just do a new play? Why, uh-huh. If you can't or, do the play that was written, or, or why not do that play? But do things like, like when, again, SF Shakes, when I was uh, Lady Capulet in Romeo mm-hmm. and Juliet, uh, our production of Romeo and Juliet, we had um, the Capulet, myself, Caucasian, mm-hmm. um, Lord Capulet, African-American actor, Michael Asbury, mm-hmm. and Lauren mm-hmm. Spencer played our daughter, played right. Juliet, and she's right. a biracial actor. Right. Mm. Um, and that was, so there's a, so the, the Capulets can be a biracial family. That's mm-hmm. right. Uh, and it was, it was, I, I have a biracial niece mm-hmm. who right. at the time was 13, and mm-hmm. she and her parents actually came to visit, they live in Pennsylvania, they came to visit that summer. I didn't tell them before they saw the play. Right. That right. I didn't tell my niece, I told her mom that this sure. is what they were going to see. I, and it was like, you're going to see a Catholic family that looks just like your family. Uh-huh. And so to see my niece's face afterward, because she had expected Juliet was going to be a blonde girl, right. a white blonde girl. And then yeah. it was like, oh, yeah. Juliet can look like me. I yeah. can have ownership over that story. No, yeah, it's, it's and a that's gorgeous important. way to take these stories and give them new life. I'm, I'm thrilled with it. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and it wasn't just that. I mean, we also had um, that production had um, Carla Pantoja as mm-hmm. uh, Tybalt. So this is a, ah, a, a, uh-huh. a Latinx <laughs> female actor. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, our Benvolio was also uh, Latinx. And so there was that. Uh, um, other African-American actors in it playing um, Mercutio. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm... Sorry, guys, if I'm blanking on you and you're listening to this um, uh, Middle Eastern actor playing uh, the prince. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just, a, you know, a, a, yeah. variety of, a variety of different things. And, mm-hmm. and, and to have this be a free Shakespeare show mm-hmm. that, again, people who, like, don't know Shakespeare at all right. are going to just show up in the park with a picnic and start watching a play because it's a free play. Right. Yeah. And go, like, oh, this, is, this, story, this world has the capacity to be this, to be our world. That's right. exactly, exactly right. Yeah. And to not to take it out of the context of Shakespeare. I mean, it could still be just as yeah, resonant. We, Shakespeare's world, I 
That's mm-hmm. a big belief. Yeah. yeah. Like we had Radhika Rao. You know, we talked about mm-hmm. her mm-hmm. doing Hamlet, and yeah. she's a... Um, also for uh, Free Shakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Southeast Asian. Yeah. Th- that's exactly right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she played the Grave Digger and I believe, another role. Mm-hmm. She, and she, she was, was even... Yeah. Yeah, she was Rosencrantz or Guildenstern. I can't remember which. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> right exactly. <laughs> But yeah, we definitely we definitely need more. Um, you know, it's this. This is these are important things to talk about. And these important things to focus on, and companies need to focus on that. Well, I, I always come back to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I always come back to when people start to go, but but this is difficult. How do we do this? Well, right. I, I always come back to um, Tina Fey in uh, in her book Bossy Pants. Uh, yeah. There's a point that she talks about that mm-hmm. she was at uh, Second City, mm-hmm. yeah. and the Second City uh, company, like the Second City Main Stage Company, right. had always been six actors right and it had always been four men two women Mm. and while she was at second city suddenly it became three women three men Mm -hmm. and people were flipping out yeah the women were flipping out like now that there's three of us we'll have to split what we do among three people instead of two right that was one thing that people were flipping Mm. out about right yeah and then tina was like hold the phone we are improvisers right we are making it up Mm-hmm. So why don't we just make up stuff that has a world with three women in it? Right. Sure. Right. So we who uh, make theater uh, right. are also yes we are we you know we are not improv completely some of mm-hmm. us are but we're we're creative people right we're making it up mm-hmm. so we can make up a rehearsal processes that allows for a breastfeeding mother to right. take a break to pump. Yeah. Yep. We can make that up. Oh, yeah. Right? We of all there's all these things that can be made up to allow women mm-hmm. access and to, uh, women female identified people access. Mm-hmm. Um, we can tell stories in ways that have room for everybody. Oh yeah. That's, That's exactly right. That's wonderful. That's yeah. exactly right. So shout outs. I'm just finishing up, man. <laughs> I, no, I've got birthday. I've got birthday shout outs. Okay. But um, I, I will be a good boy and start worrying about who else is doing shows right now. Scapegoat closed last week. <laughs> that was that was wonderful. And it's also bizarre to be a director. Cause mm-hmm. You just sort of walk away, and then a few weeks later, somebody says, oh, your show is closing. <gasps> oh, yeah, that. <laughs> anyway, uh, one of the few PhDs I personally know, Mara Lockwant, is um, her birthday was yesterday. Okay. Um, Rosie Hallett, who was our production assistant on this show that went to France and worked for the Sea of Berlin project. Mm. Happy John, birthday, Rosie. John Kalaki, who used to be funder here, yeah. and now he's back east. And he just cannot stop working, apparently. I thought he was an old man here. He got back there and started running some other thing. And jeez. Um, Karen Criswell is a filmmaker, lives down in L.A., do I have others? Uh, Rebecca Stockley, speaking of improvisers, major improviser in the Bay Area. Her birthday is Thursday. Nicholas Strobe. I don't know what he's doing right now. Kari Moy. Oh, you took mine. Yeah. I, well, <laughs> we can okay. say it twice. Yeah. We can say it twice. It's okay. And Leslie Wagoner, who is um, oh, in... I've, I've worked with Leslie Wagoner. I've worked with Leslie as well. Yeah. yeah. Isn't she in New York now, right? I believe so. I, I saw a post that she's doing um, uh, choreography, nice. I think. So those are our happy birthdays for the week. Uh, yeah, well, for me, uh, for me, um, an old uh, dance teacher who also uh, taught acting at Duke Ellington, Karen Daniels, uh, wish her a happy birthday today. Um, let's see, Arthur Taylor, another uh, ex Ellingtonite, 
Um, mm. I believe he's actually teaching acting in Washington, D.C. Oh. Uh, his birthday's on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, another ex-Ellingtonite, Chris Barron, his birthday is Wednesday. We mentioned Kari Moy. Also on Thursday, along with oh. Kari and Leslie Wagner, Craig Souza. Ah! Okay. Uh, who is uh, who was a ex um, East Enderer, and uh, he's been uh, on stage. He's been working a lot with Scott Munson, mm-hmm. doing a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. So his birthday is Thursday, and that's it for me. Yeah, and can some I? birthday people, let us Absolutely. know. Yeah, if you've got yes. some throw them in. Uh, it's not a birthday, but can I can I shout out a show oh, we're that I'm excited? Out a show. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. If, yeah, for our birthday kids, if they have something going on or they just want us to promote it, we are always happy to do it. So happy birthday to you all. Mm-hmm. Um, shows. The show that I'm super excited about that mm. opens on Monday mm-hmm. uh, is the, and I will be there opening night, I can't wait, is uh, the show that is being produced by the theater company Ferocious Lotus. Okay. Oh, uh, right. Yes. yes. So, oh, I uh, mentioned that. Two Mile Hollow. Two Mile Hollow is yes. the title. This That's is right. a play. The playwright is Leah Nakano. I think I'm saying that right. Leah mm-hmm. Nakano Winkler, who is... Um, so this is a play with an all-Asian-American cast, a female playwright, and a female director in uh, local director, Lily Tong Crystal. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm really excited to see that this is the And big, they'll be at the stage, right? That the I, stage. That's a Petro stage. I think they're, they're doing mm-hmm. previews this weekend, and Monday night is opening. Mm-hmm. Uh, Monday yeah, June 23rd through July 15th. We promoted that last week, uh-huh. and yeah. we'll promote it again. Yeah. Ferocious so Lotus. That would be... Uh, that's, uh, that's one for me. You got yep. shows? I mean, we're, we're in the summer season. So yeah. Well, Sense and Sensibilities, uh, that closes that closes tonight. Uh, <laughs> Actually, and I think it's sold out if my Instagram Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, I hope it is. I was yeah. so happy to hear such a glowing review. Yeah. Universal Robots, I'll promote that again. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's Quantum Dragon. Um, that's uh, June 29th, so that opens next week, and it'll close July 14th. Michael Agrelli is in that, oh, right, as well yeah. as Luel Senores. Oh, yeah. Was this at the Phoenix? Is that what... Uh, I think it's at the Phoenix, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I believe so. Uh And um, and also, so a fundraiser that I gave to, this is getting into more current events, I've given to, there's a company called Races, R-A-C-E-S, that's Refugee and Immigration Center for... R-A-I-C-E-S. R-A-I-C-E-S, that's what I want to say. I quickly hit the I. Refugee and Immigration Center for Education and Legal Services. Um, they they basically pay lawyers for immigrants right. who need to get out of jail, right. and also um, if it's just as simple as giving them bail, paying them on, right? Exactly, yeah. and also legal fees uh, yeah. for them, and that's r a i c e s texas dot org. Mm-hmm. Um, Dion Aquino Chi uh, she had a fundraiser on her Facebook page, and I think David Stein also giving right. money for races r a i c e s. So that's and I've g- I gave fifty dollars and. Uh, the it's people an important time. Yeah, to exactly. Put your money where your mouth is. Yeah. That's exactly right. Did you have a good time? Gallery? I did. Thanks, you guys. <laughs> Thanks for having me come and talk. Absolutely. I'm glad to find. And he saved you for me because he's. Every now and then, Red gets somebody, and I'm like, what? No, I wasn't here that time. Right, I know, and so then I was well, traveling. Too busy. And, yeah, you were <laughs> so busy, we were and then I was traveling, so one. it worked so great. Yeah, awesome. absolutely, absolutely, and this is fantastic, and it's a very important thing, because it's the first time that we've had an actress and also an activist. I mean, you're so, this is activist work. It yeah. is, it yeah. is. Yeah, I didn't used to call myself that, and so I, these days I say that, I, I've started saying that. That's, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I'm an activist. You can claim it, yes. That's yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, uh, I'll give you my last blurb. You can find the Yay on the Apple Podcast app on all iPhones and iPads. You can also find the Yay on iTunes. Just click on iTunes, click on Store, use the search engine on the upper right-hand side and search for the Yay. You'll find us. For Android users, download the SoundCloud app or just 
go on soundcloud.com and search for the yay the yay was created by theater people for theater people if you have a show you want to advertise and you just want to advertise yourself let us know hit us up on facebook also we have twitter and instagram mine is red space clay and what's yours norman what on twitter Twitter, uh, yeah, Twitter or uh, Instagram. I, I, what is it at? Hoosier, Hoosier. <laughs> Hoosier, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll put a blurb on there. I'll, I'll put a little link so you can just put a link on there. Mm-hmm. So hit us up. Let oh, us know what yeah. you think. I'm, I'm fairly new to Twitter, so I guess I should go ahead and do things like link would be a good thing for me to do. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Right. As we, as we now, do, do you have Twitter? And, and, I uh, do. All of my stuff is at my name. So, okay. And I'm V-A-L-E-R-I-E. W E A K. I'm the only one. It's okay. not W E E K. It's W E A K. Exactly. Okay. And you have, do you have a website? Uh, my personal website is is ValerieWeek.com. Okay, and we'll put a link on there. Yeah, yeah. and I would love for you also to link. So Works by Women SF. Okay, let me type I'll, that I'll, down. Yeah, I'll we yeah. can do this after you're done. But Works sure, by sure. Women SF. Mm-hmm. Dot, uh, dot WordPress. Dot org is the website that hosts Counting Actors, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's also where you can find the uh, form. That if, if you I, I want to submit it. a show, uh, if you want to submit show information mm-hmm. uh, to be added to the count for the month. Absolutely. That is it. And um, we've we got to find, find a better, better sign off. off. <laughs> and we are out. Yeah.